triangular UFOs on the brain. It's not just an American dilemma with special guest, Mr. X. Episode 38 of the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Welcome to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Coming to you from the glacial dumping grounds known as the Michigan Basin. I'm Michelle. And I am Wayne. And we are a Michigan-based husband and wife educator and podcasting duo that after having a UFO sighting in March of 2018, have started to examine UFOs and other paranormal topics within Michigan and beyond. Topics include UFOs, the paranormal, conspiracy theories, ghosts, alternative history and archaeology, cryptids, and all things strange and paranormal. So sit back, grab a drink, and come along with us on this journey down the paranormal rabbit hole. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Yeah, here we are with uh, quite the episode tonight. Yes, and this is going to be a long one, and hopefully you have the stamina to get through it, because this will definitely blow your mind. I mean, this is one of those that if it was in written form, I would tell my kids to chunk the text. Yes, much information. (laughs) whole lot of information. But here we are, episode 38, recording on September 12th, 2022. And remember, this is the only podcast about UFOs and paranormal encounters that we take the ride down the rabbit hole on an escalator. Sometimes I slide down the, the handle. Sometimes, part of it. yeah. Michelle sometimes <laughs> will pass us by as she slides down the handle. So, but man, Michelle, what a crazy week or a couple weeks we've had with the uh, starting of school this you year. Know, they always call it the honeymoon stage. So, and I feel that I'm still kind of in the honeymoon stage with, I would say, about, you know, 90% of my kids. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So there's always that 10%. Totally a new thing yeah. for me. I mean, now I am going from high school to middle school teaching eighth grade and in a totally new school district. So I'm in a public school district at this point and out of a charter school. So very, very interesting times for everybody. Very stressful. But the show must go on. I was going to say, if this guy didn't already have gray hair, he would this year. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a done deal. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. <laughs> so remember, not only on all the major platforms, you can also find us on YouTube. Please search us out by typing in Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. Remember, it's all one word. Or you can also find the link in the show notes. And if you have a story you would like to tell, we would like to talk to you. Kind of like Mr. X tonight. You can reach out to us at miufo.podcast at gmail.com. Send us a brief summary of your experience and we'll contact you to discuss things further and try to get you or your story on the podcast. That's how our guest tonight came to us. Um, 
Also, if you like the podcast and would like to rock some of the latest swag, head on over to our online store. So you can find that link also in the show notes. And most recently, some of my parents at Open House got to see our latest design with driver on the back. Oh, absolutely. Um, We got some really cool new shirts set up where we've got the images on the back. We got it on the left breast pocket of the shirt and we kept those prices down. So I I know my kids were geeked last thursday when i had the shirt on they're like oh she's got the alien shirt on it's like absolutely so you can head on over to miufopodcaststore.online to see all of our awesome awesome swag and don't forget to check out our patreon page if you would like to support the podcast there it is patreon.com forward slash m-i-u-f-o-s-p-e-p where you can sign up we can't wait to give you a shout out for all of your support speaking of patreon dun, dun, dun. we need to give a huge shout out to our new patreon ed s for supporting the podcast We also need to give out a shout out to our girl Hava H for her support of the podcast as well. Yes, and it is with those kind of contributions that will help keep this podcast going and let us upgrade some of our equipment and do some other things. And uh, we really, really appreciate all the help. And the more supporters that we get, the more shout outs we can give. Yes, we love our people. We definitely love you guys. We do this to bring you whatever disclosure is. We're trying to do that and, you know, just try to keep the conversation going. And I would say, guess what we're drinking? Both of us. We are drinking coffee. So you can now buy us a cup of coffee. So you can head on over to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash M-I-U-F-O pod c-a-q so look for the show notes for that link for buying us a cup of coffee yes and also in the show notes you're going to see a link that will take you to our link tree and on that link tree account you can also find just about every link to everything that we put out there so i like those link tree things link tree is pretty cool there's a lot of teachers i know that use that yeah It just consolidates all your links into one location. So maybe in the future, that's all we'll have soon is just a link in the show notes to the link tree and everything will be there. Yep. Go wherever you want to from that point. Click away. Oh, man. So what did you think of that dinner tonight? You know, I love that Florentine soup, the spinach Florentine soup. Absolutely. That alone is a meal. We got that from our favorite little place here in New Boston. It's like my new favorite soup. New Boston, Coney and Grill. Let's go. Traveling near New Boston, Michigan? Hungry? Well then, you need to check out New Boston Coney and Grill tucked away at 37005 Huron River Drive. With daily specials, homemade soups and desserts, and a staff that makes you feel like family, you will not be disappointed. Give them a try for dine-in or carry-out at 734-606-5313. You can find their page, including their menu, on Facebook. Bon Appetit!
All right, Michelle, I think it's that time that everybody's waiting for. Yes, it's time for What's in the News. Yes, baby. What is in the news? (laughs) Hey, baby. Well, from live science, classified UFO videos would harm national security if released, Navy says. Oh, ain't that sweet. Just published two days ago. Oh, yes. Recently new. The Navy admitted it has a lot more footage of UFOs, but won't share them anytime soon. Yep. And so you people out there that are jumping up and down and loving and kissing on Lou Elizondo and Sean Cahill for their awesome work, quote-unquote. Not going to happen. Yeah. Oh, so the U.S. Navy holds unseen videos of unidentified flying objects or unidentified aerial phenomena, as the Department of Defense prefers to call them, but will not release the footage publicly because it would harm national security, a Navy spokesperson wrote Wednesday, September 7th. You know what's interesting? Remember when UAP first came out, it was unmanned aerial phenomenon? Yeah. Or unmanned aerial object. Hmm. Names just keep on changing. Yeah. That's why I'm going back to UFO. I'm staying at UFO. I don't care. Yeah. You know what? It's what we've known since childhood. So the admission came in response to a Freedom of Information Act, one of those good old FOIA requests filed by the government transparency site, The Black Vault, which has previously shared thousands of pages of UFO-related documents received via FOIA requests to the CIA and other government agencies. The Black Vault filed a FOIA request to the U.S. Navy in April of 2020, just one day after the Navy declassified three now infamous videos shot by Navy pilots showing high-tech aircraft moving in seemingly impossible ways. The Black Vault requested that the Navy now turn over any and all other videos related to UFOs. <laughs> more than two years later, the government responded with a letter that both confirmed that more UFO videos exist and denied the, re- the request to turn them over due to national security concerns. Which think, is really, really bizarre. Yeah, they're like, afraid of how all of us are going to act. <laughs> is that why don't they tell us why? Just tell us why there's security concerns. I think I know. I don't think it is from the standpoint of oh, people can't handle it. There's more people talking about this and that are okay with it than I've ever heard in my life. I think the problem is the top secret technology we have that are detecting these things. And we don't want other countries knowing what kind of technology we have for detecting their shenanigans. And we're also now picking up these ufos well, on and it's not like it's being you know it, it's being talked about in the uk i mean you know land of the crop circles yeah so which we're gonna talk about here in a few minutes oh absolutely i've got something for you guys um the release of this information will harm national security as it may provide uh adversaries valuable information regarding department of defense navy operations vulnerabilities and or capabilities gregory Kaysen. Deputy Director of the Navy's FOIA office wrote in a response letter, no portions of the videos can be segregated for release. See, I told you that's what they're going with now. First, it was we can't talk about UFOs because look at what happened with the original Orson Welles 
War of the Worlds release. Yeah, guess what happened? A few thousand people, Dude, not great millions, book. not not a hundred thousand. It was only a f- couple thousand, maybe a few thousand people that were listening to the show at that time that did not know that that was just a show being put on that quote unquote were scared and all of this stuff. It wasn't the whole country freaking out because not the whole country could hear it between radio theater the book the variations of the different movies yes all right so Kaysen added that the navy was able to declassify the three uap videos released in april of 2020 only because the videos had been previously leaked to the media and had already been discussed extensively in the public domain The Navy deemed it possible to officially release the footage without further damage to national security, Kaysen wrote, because we were already talking about it. Interestingly, in its response to the Black Vault's request, the Navy did not make any attempts to conceal the existence of additional UFO videos. There are clearly more videos of the inexplicable UFO encounters in the Navy's archives, but how many and what they depict will have to remain a mystery for now. It's clear, however, that the U.S. military takes the potential threat of UFOs very seriously. In May of 2022, the uh, DOD held its first public hearing on UFOs since the 1960s. The hearing primarily discussed a June 2021 Pentagon report that revealed U.S. Navy pilots uh, had reported 144 UFO sightings since 2004. More recently, the Department of Defense announced that it will receive federal funding to open a new office focused exclusively on managing reports of UFO sightings by the U.S. Army, Navy, and Air Force. And there you have it. What has been the overall goal of this? Funding. I'm becoming very cynical. I'm becoming very cynical only because now we're being told you'll never get to see more UFO footage like the three that we put out there. And it's constantly this threat narrative. (laughs) It's like no videos for you. One year. (laughs) Sorry, I had to. Yeah. All right. Jerry Seinfeld reference. I'm not going to say what that was. Um, but anyways, yeah. So if you look at it with a critical eye and what Lou Elizondo said when he first came out on the scene about wanting to destroy ufology, burn it down and rebuild it, they want to reestablish another project blue book or a project sign or a project grudge, get rid of all of us little, you know, UFO civilian interested personnel and all of that stuff that are talking about it, get rid of all of us and then control that information all again. Because at that hearing, which was really bizarre was there was a Republican, uh, Senator or a from Tennessee. I can't remember his name, but anyways, he said, you know, we should do something about these people spreading misinformation and rumors about ufos and the navy guy said well we'll talk about that behind closed doors like what kind of punishment should happen so i'm i'm starting to get very very concerned about what they're doing with this it's starting to look like a money grab to start another office elizondo now has 
And I like Elizondo. I think Elizondo, you know, was supposed to be a good guy in this. And now all of a sudden we've got channels that have collapsed because they've been played by him um, on YouTube. Uh, the negative stuff. Now we've got channels that have completely flipped and are going to start making videos disproving things. And it's just a mess right now in ufology. And it's a lot to do with Elizondo going on a lot of these small channels. And he never came on our show, which, you know, even though we had the feelers out and he said, you know, that he would come on, he never did. Um, and I just, I'm very, very disappointed. And it just seems like this is all about the government coming in and taking control of, of all things, of all things, ufology, really, for as long as it's been around and people have been talking about this stuff. Now they're going to come in. That's, I don't know. That's crazy. What do you, what do you think? Well, you, you know how they are. Everything is meant to be a secret. We are just merely peons. We have to dig and look outside of the box for whatever we want to learn or talk about. Well, there's no money in it for anybody. I mean, you know, you got to be a gigantic filmmaker or apparently, you know, rubbing elbows with politicians to try to get an office for millions upon millions of dollars to get anything out of this. Well, and that's the whole thing when it comes to the, you know, to the funding, they see a dollar sign. Yeah, it's, so. it's really unfortunate, and I hate to be that kind of cynical person because I really wanted to believe Elizondo and, you know, figured he was in it for the good of the people and everything. And maybe in his mind he thinks he is, and that, you know, all of us out here are just crackpots, or is the truth really that all of us out here talking about this stuff and actually we are the disclosure, you know, everybody that's out there talking about this in one way or the other, this is the disclosure you're going to get. I don't think you're going to ever see anything come out of the government, but are we possibly talking about their secret weapons, their secret craft that they're developing? And when we call them UFOs and we talk about them, is it really us? I don't know anymore. It's it's crazy. This is where I just throw my hands up and wait for the next article to come out to take a look at and yep or the you know the next person who contacts us with you know an experience and just you know take it from there. Yep. So my my statement to everybody is if you're waiting for disclosure from anybody in the government or governments anywhere, with you're going to suit and a badge. Anyone with a suit and a badge, you're not yeah, going to get it. You're not going to get it. Where you're going to get disclosure is from shows like ours and other shows out there on YouTube and other podcasts. Um, well, maybe not, you know, not just the, I don't want to say truth, but at least a different perspective. Well, here's something to think about. Yes, there it is. That's disclosure. Everybody always asks the question when they have a guest on, what does disclosure mean? What does it mean to you? Well, here's what it means to me. That people out there like us who saw something are not afraid to talk about it. 
that's disclosure because you want evidence and you want proof. You want a flying saucer to land on the lawn of DC of the white house. You're not going to get that because we don't even know if these things are extraterrestrial. That doesn't mean they're alien. It just means they're not of this planet or are they of this planet? Are they an old discovered technology? Maybe they found something of ancient human high tech in Antarctica. I know there was all kinds of big government officials that ended up going down to Antarctica there for a little bit. Nobody really knows why they did that. You know, there's so much that it could be, but as long as we're talking about it, I think that's the disclosure. That's the best we're going to get. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, look at the UK, just like you were saying. We've had people on here that have said, you know, you know it, it's not big. It's not talked about. But I guess yep. depending on what part of, you know, the the area that they're from or their age or what kind of too, stuff they're into themselves, you know, that can determine Absolutely. what you talk about socially. Yeah. So, so what I'm going to play for you right now is a clip from a show on YouTube called Alien Addict. And it's a very interesting podcast slash YouTube show. Uh, every once in a while, I like to watch it. And on this little clip I'm going to play, it's about a minute and 20 seconds long. There, there's four of four people on the panel. You have Rich from Goofon Radio. You have Ollie, who's the host of Alien Addict. You have Dave from Black Star Paranormal YouTube channel. And you have I am Stuart Little. And I'm not sure what his background is, if he has a, a channel on photography or something like that. And they're discussing the Kelvin photo of that UFO, whatever it may be with the airplane in the background. And we were talking that, you know, in a previous podcast that it looks like a reflection of an Island in water. I think I've kind of changed my mind on that. It is something definitely in the air, but I have my own theories on what that might be, especially during that time. However, listen to this clip and listen to what they say about how in the UK, if you had any doubts, every time I talk to somebody from the UK and I ask them, and we hear that, you know, it's just an American problem and people that we talk to kind of lose their minds. Well, here's why. Take a listen. Stop saying that. Why now? Why now? Since 2017, it's been going on. So yeah, why now? Fair. I mean, we've yeah. been getting tons of stuff. This isn't yeah. out of the norm anymore. This is going to be the norm. We're going to start seeing things come out of the woodwork. People are looking for things in drawers, books, yeah. under their mattress. So. Rich, are we getting to dis disclosure in your lifetime? No. No. <laughs> yeah. I, I no. didn't even have right. to think. I hope you're right, Rich. You know, it's, I, I don't think I, I come on an episode of Alien Addict without talking about Blue Beam or some sort of yeah. psyop. Like, uh, because, I, see, that I, I don't think the, um, because lots of Ollie's and your, your viewers are American, I don't mm -hmm. think people in America understand how little we talk about this stuff in the UK. You know, it's very not. True. We very don't. True, have, you. What's that? You know, how, in the how UK, we don't talk stuff. about it. 
Yeah, this you know, it's no. not like in the US where you have like like a section on Tucker Carlson or something like that talking about it. It just doesn't exist. So to pretty much doesn't exist. Um, and I'm guessing that. And Lee, if it if it is in the UK, it tends to be sensationalized. Yeah, or, or know, joking, it's, 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 yeah, yeah, it's in the tabloid newspapers more X often. Files than music behind it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. At the opening of that, you hear Rich from Goofon Radio. He's saying, stop saying that, stop saying that, because they were asking the question, why now? Why are all these reports coming out now? Why are people seeing all of this stuff now? And you hear his response. But what really gets me is when they say in the UK, we really don't talk about that. And if we do, it's usually tabloid news or they play the X-File music in the background and it's kind of joked about. Does that sound a little familiar? Now, all of a sudden in the U.S., that stuff is gone. They're a little bit behind the times. See, there's a consensus. Nobody talks about it in the U.K. except Mr. X. Well, but what's funny is, is this show is called Alien Addict. And, you know, there are people out there that have experienced things in the U.K. They just refuse to talk about it. And, you know, for whatever reason, the stigma is still very much alive over there. It still is here. It's just becoming more and more mainstream, which probably is a good thing and a bad thing. So I don't know. Well, and you know, who knows how the, how the public is over there too about anyone who talks about it, you know, probably telling anyone who brings it up to, you know, go find their tinfoil hat. Well, you know what? Speaking of that, Michelle, why don't you just tell us a little bit about Mr. X? Um, I I can't because he's anonymous. Oh, that's right. So, I guess we should bring him on the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us tonight, we have the mysterious Mr. X from the UK, who will be telling us his story. And also joining us as a special guest from episodes four and 14, the original, I guess, first and original triangle experiencer from Michigan that we had on our podcast, besides us, Guy Merritt. So, gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. This is Guy. Thank you very much for inviting me as well. I'm very honored. It's awesome to have you on. And I'm glad, Mr. X, that you decided to come on to the podcast and tell your story, which we will get to here shortly. So what I wanted to start with first is, Guy, I wanted you to kind of sum up for any new listeners that might be listening to the podcast for the first time and give kind of a, a summary of your experience with the triangle uh, craft and the people that you knew and the things that you went through. 
Okay. Uh, I'll give you a kind of the Cliff's notes. I, as you mentioned, uh, people are really interested. I was it episode four was our first one. Yes. We followed that up. I found some more witnesses and we, uh, five of us did episode 14, if anybody wants to listen to that, but, uh, to give a recap, I guess, uh, I had no inordinate, you know, inordinate interest in this, no, un, you know, uncommon kind of interest in UFOs or anything. And uh, March 1994, there was a spate of UFO sightings in Michigan. I thought it was on the west coast of Michigan over in Holland, Michigan only. I'd seen some things on the national news. I uh, didn't think too much about it. I mean, it was interesting, but. I lived in Flint at the time, which is in the, you know, the southeast corner of the state. I had a kind of a crappy job about 50 miles south of Flint in a small, uh, it was a temp job in a, in a plant that we made parts for Ford. It was just a, I'd kind of fallen between the cracks and had to grab any sort of job. Usually I'd get jobs, but I'd been there just a couple of weeks and I was driving to work uh, from Flint at five in the morning on March the 18th of 1994. Uh, crossing, I was on I-75 for a minute there and uh, right by Bishop Airport going over across, I was going over the overpass across Bristol, Bristol Road. And I got dentures, by the way, so I tend to enunciate poorly, I apologize. But going over that overpass, I saw, it was about five in the morning, Bishop Airport in Flint is not really a big international airport. It's not a hub of international travel. That time of the day, it's it's basically closed. It was dark. And uh, there were these two brilliant white lights, very, very low on the horizon as I was up on that overpass on I-75. They were south of the, south of the airport, like be a mile or so. And I thought, man, that must be a big plane landing. And uh, I drove out. I bared to the right. The uh, freeway splits up there to QS-23. I was going to, to New Hudson. And down, down by Brighton, kind of. And uh, anyway, at one point, two or three miles south of that overpass, I came around a curve. It became very rural there, and it's kind of farmland. And I could see these lights, and they were almost on the ground. Uh, I was about probably, when I, when I got kind of an unobstructed view of the lights, I was probably about three-quarters of a mile to a mile away. But it just nothing in the way I could tell it. The thing was almost on the ground. These lights were, it was two northerly facing brilliant white lights that were an odd color of white and kind of shimmering, maybe 125, 150 foot off the ground. Uh, I could tell when I made another curve that they seemed, this thing seemed to be hovering or parked, you know, right near US 23. I knew, I knew when I made an, another curve, it seemed to be, I was going to drive kind of right up to it. And I had no idea what it was. I couldn't see the form of it or anything like that. And uh, as I approached the thing, I had a, this really ominous feeling like I'm not supposed to be here. A lot of odd features to this that I probably am skipping because we've talked about it at great length before. But I did have this, this ominous feeling and kept thinking, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be here. And there were some oddities. One oddity was as I approached this thing, I mean, I could tell it was massive, and uh, the nearest headlight of this thing was almost touching the southbound lanes in which I was driving, and it was, uh, and nobody had pulled over. There were no cars pulled over. Nobody was hitting their brakes. The morning rush had kind of started, 
So these cars are just flying by this. I can't see the form of it yet, but there's these two brilliant, crazy looking white headlights on this thing. And it's just damned near on the ground. And I'm thinking, what is this? And Because they were a long ways apart. It's big. I'm like, what on earth is this huge thing? And uh, I slowed way down as I approached it. And as I basically went under it, like I said, it was just to the right of the southbound lanes. The nearest kind of headlight of the thing was kind of right above my head. And when I looked up at it, there was a big red light on the bottom, kind of reddish orange, kind of pulsating, almost kind of throbbing like a heartbeat. And when it illuminated this crap, what it was was a just a really, really, really big equilateral triangle with a striated bottom that, that was almost kind of a pattern, like it was kind of ribbed with a pattern on the bottom and uh, utterly silent, utterly motionless, like it was pasted to the sky. I mean, this thing, I mean, here I am, if not a stone's throw from this thing, almost a stone's throw, nothing is making sense. There's no sound. There's no low hum. There's no anything like that. No other cars are even slowing down. In thinking back on this, there should have been like complete chaos on this freeway. I'm looking at something, again, a stone's throw away that looks like it's out of the next Star Wars movie. It's sitting barely above US-23 and people are just flying by. Nobody's, and it's been there for a minute because I first saw this thing from an overpass like three miles north of there. I'm like, what is going on? And I just flipped out. I slammed on the gas, went to make a cutting, cutting some of this out, got to work. A few people at the first, on our first break at the shop said they'd seen it. I thought back on it. I really only talked to one young couple that said they'd seen it. It was a tall blonde kid and his girlfriend. Yeah, I was about 40. They were about 20. And on my first break, they, you know, I was babbling about it. I was just totally flipped out. It's kind of semi-hysterical and they came up to me their eyes were huge and they were they were like man what the hell was that thing what the hell was that and i said i don't know some kind of ufo man and i thought this is going to be in the newspaper it's going to be in the local news it might be on the national news is this an invasion what is this i get get out of work go home there's nothing on a 6 p.m news there's nothing on the 11 p.m news there's nothing on in the national news the next day there's nothing in in the newspaper and i'm like how is this possible? This huge ship was almost sitting on the ground above US-23, you know, two or three miles south of a fairly congested urban area at 5 a.m. Yeah, that's early. But, you know, there was, like I said, the morning rush was, you know, kind of starting. There was traffic. There was some. It was kind of sparse. But a lot of people had to have seen this, right? I, I think, you know, I mean, this is the big question I have. Could everybody see it? I don't know. But, uh, you know. I talked to Mr. X and I were talking prior to the show and uh, now it may have just been fear. My feeling about this deal was when I approached it, I feel like there was some kind of vibration. This idea that I had that I'm not supposed to be here felt like kind of a telepathic thing. He suggested to me, could have just been a human response of fear, which is entirely possible. Uh, I would never, I, I try to avoid getting married, uh, you know, marrying myself to any, you know, I can't swear what happened. My sense of it was that it was more like a, 
some kind of telepathic messages as totally foo-foo and crazy as that sounds. And then uh, we ended up in our second, when we did the second round table, uh, second podcast for the round table. Part of the reason we did that was because I did the first podcast with you. And then we, some people heard that and I found some more uh, witnesses. Uh, what what was interesting about that was that we found, or you found a witness that contacted you that had seen something the same exact night. And I believe that was Ed. Well, there, there were two. I mean, it was interesting in two ways. I found a witness that had seen the same thing the same night. And the other witness had 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 now he'd seen it in a different place, but on the same on March 18th of 1994. So it all makes sense. What what made even less sense was Alex, who had seen had the identical experience to myself at the identical spot on the freeway on March 23rd of 2019. So the whole thing is and I guess I'd throw in there, too. It, this happened to me in 94. And by sheer chance, Alex was the, he would have been the third person I have found who was seen that object at the same spot, who had the same reaction, describes it exactly the same. And all of them, one was, mine was 94. The other guy was 95. Lady that I talked to said her friend saw it. She thought about 2008. And Alex knew that he'd seen it 2019. The same object at the same spot. So what is this? I've never even heard of something like this in UFO lore. Uh, it's utterly bizarre. And then there were some very bizarre synchronicities involved with uh, the other fellow that did the podcast with us, Ed, who had seen it the same night as me. Uh, one thing that I'll never get over is in the run-up to the podcast, he couldn't remember. He knew it was March, a Friday in March of 94, but he could not recall, was it the 18th? And I, we had talked for about a week or so in the run-up to that podcast on Messenger, and he, was, he couldn't remember the exact, the exact day. So we didn't know if both of us had seen it on March 18th. And the night before we did the podcast, he messages me and says, hey, man, I remember what day it was now. And I said, well, how did you recall? And he said, well, he said, I, you know, it was St. Patty's Day, so I decided I'd go have a couple of beers up at the Night Owl Bar in Imlay City. And they had a band playing. And he said, uh, I remember that because he said, I walked up, the band said they were taking requests. And I walked up to the band and said, can you play Wipeout? And he said, some smart Alex said, hey, we don't know the words because, you know, it's a drum solo. Right. And he said, yeah, it really chapped my ass. And he chuckled, you know, Ed's a, Ed's a good guy. And I just about fell out of my chair. Why? Why did you almost fall out of your chair? <laughs> Man, I swear to you, I was just like, this This can't even be happening. I'd, I'd never been to Emily City. To this day, I've been there once since then. I That bar that he referred to and that band, I was the piano player. That was Debbie Lee and the Cruisers. And I was playing out there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I had never been to Emily City prior to that in my life. And until You were I, in that band. That, yeah, the I, night. That band. I don't know. I don't know with with absolute certainty that he didn't that I didn't have an exchange that I didn't say that to him. I don't I don't think I would have, but I could have. And so what piqued his what what enabled him to remember the exact date was him having this interaction with this band that I was playing with in a bar 30 miles east of Flint in a town 
where I've never been before or since. Or my wife and I happened to drive out there about a week ago for the first time I saw it in daylight. I just never go out that way. And I just could not believe. And what happened with Ed was he left the bar, went home. I don't recall. He had to work early. He laid down for a while. So he was going somewhere to get some food or something for work the next day at like four in the morning. He's on a country road out in Imlay City, sees the identical, he describes it identically, this triangular craft floating towards him above some farmland, gets above his car, very, very low, just like me, turns like a crab, starts floating off across another field. He said it got to a certain point and just, he said literally it just went to warp speed. And as he was sitting there, as if that wasn't scary enough, he said suddenly two F-16s went flying over his head with full afterburners. He said, he said he, he literally saw them before he heard the I mean, the sound was, you know, delayed. They were so close to him. He said that scared the hell out of him. They were chasing this thing. Uh, and he described it just like me. And, you know, we both got some weird after effects of, uh, uh, you know, seeing sequences and numbers on clocks. And he said he had never had that. I've got it now. I, I didn't even know it was a thing. I'd never heard of this. I thought it was the only one in the world that had it. I thought he's had a quirk. Um, but anyway, that was kind of the, the triangle thing, and it's irrelevant here, uh, I think, probably. But uh, I'm trying to think. There's so many things have happened. It's just been a strange, strange journey. I mean, um, you know, 18 years passed. Well, I didn't even mention that in my case, in 94, I, I worked in this small factory. had been there like two weeks. I literally knew one person on a first name basis. One person. Her name was Carolyn, an African American lady, really sweet. She used to sing in bands, and we had some things in common. We'd do lunch together. Well, the morning that uh, I saw this UFO, I I didn't recall seeing her at work that day. This happened on a Friday, and it turns out she and and the gal she was driving with. She was driving her conversion van and she had a gal with whom she was carpooling and they got to work an hour late. And I, on Monday, she ran up to me and said, guy, you got to call me after work. You got to call me after work. And I didn't know what was wrong with her. She gave me her phone number and I called her and, uh, wait, you know, got home after work, gave it like an hour. And when I called her, you've heard this before. I called her up and said, Carolyn, what's going on? And she said, Guy, what does Iron Tomb mean? What does Iron Tomb mean? And I was like, what on earth are you talking about? And she lapses into this story about they didn't see anything in the sky at all. They uh, overheard us talking about seeing a UFO, but her conversion van on their way to work started spinning out of control. And she remembered the thing going up in the air and blacking out and they woke up going the wrong direction. And then as if all of this wasn't weird enough, I mean, there's so much happened. I don't even know how to, to make succinctly explain all this. As if that wasn't weird enough, after the day after I'd seen this, on Saturday, I called the airport. They put me in touch with MUFON. Before Carolyn told me this on Monday, a gal at MUFON said, no, you're not going crazy. Two ladies carpooling to Lucas Surtec at 10 o'clock, about seven hours before you saw this saw the same craft at the same spot, but it was hovering. It was uh, straddling both lanes of the freeway, but at the same spot between Baldwin and Thompson roads. And she said they were heading South. And this is before they'd seen this thing. They were heading South. Then suddenly kind of came to consciousness 
and started laughing and going, how are we going north? They had to turn their vehicle around and go south. On their second pass south, they had driven right under this thing. They lost an hour of time. Basically, she told me a story. The, the story told to me by Carolyn on Monday was kind of like the mirror image of this story told to me by this MUFON lady about two other ladies carpooling, Toluca, Surtek, and Fenton on Friday. I mean, it so was the, the ladies that, that she was, the woman from MUFON was telling you about, yep. that it was different than Carolyn and her friend, or was it the no, story no, of Carolyn and her friend? These were two other ladies whom to this day, I have no idea who they were. I oh, my them. God, dude. I thought that was I when we first talked, I thought that was Carolyn and her friend had no, made the no. report. Wait, you didn't get that? No, no, no. Listen, on Saturday. Oh, my God, dude. Saturday, I called the airport and and and, you know, I was desperate to figure this out, man. And the guy in the they said he was in the tower. I I don't know. I, because I tried to call the airport again that week twice, asked to speak to the tower. And they said, well, we never do that. That's against protocol. And, you know, but that right after it happened, I called out there and asked to speak to the tower. It's kind of a, a long shot. And they said, no problem. Just a moment. So they gave me this guy. And this guy asked me a bunch of questions. And, uh, and could it have been a star? Could it have been a blimp or a satellite? I'm like, Dude, this thing was like 100 foot above my head or 130 foot. You know, I'm so anyway. So he said, Well, you might want to call these people. And he gave me the phone number of MUFON, which at that point in my life, I've never heard of MUFON. Which, by the way, we know now after careful digging about MUFON, they sell their information to the government. Yeah, I've got really, really mixed. Yeah. Feelings. I, I've got some friends that are in MUFON, and I've got a. I'm not going to lie. I'm an honest dude. I, I don't. Uh, I don't want to speak whereof I really don't know, but I'm. I'm kind of. I don't trust MUFON entirely, and I feel bad because I have some very, very, very good friends who love MUFON. I, I'm not going to cast any aspersions. I, I'm being honest. I don't totally trust MUFON, right? So I, I agree. We interviewed two ladies from MUFON on our podcast, incredible ladies with incredible stories. And I did not know any of this, but it's very odd that when I put in our report to the MUFON site, here Here you are a high school science teacher, your wife's a high school English teacher, I believe. No, middle middle school. I'm middle school. school. (laughs) I'm just saying two teachers, you would think they'd go, Oh my God. Look at the quality of this report. I'm, I didn't interrupt and you. No, and yeah. nothing. And nothing. we received nothing. nothing from them. That's yep. mind blowing, dude. It is. It is mind blowing. But um, <laughs> yeah, man, science. I did not. I, I, I swear to God, I did not pick up on that fact. I thought when you talked about talking to somebody from MUFON, no. that it was about your friend Carolyn and her friend. But that takes a whole nother no. This was, turn. this was the crazy part. So he tells me to call MUFON. I call MUFON at some number on the West Coast. It was an 800 number. I think it was their national headquarters. Might have been Peter Davenport. Right? It was this real business-like guy. He said, no, we haven't heard anything. But here's the, try the state director in Michigan. He gives me the number of this gal, happened to be in Flushing, which is like eight miles from where I lived. It's a suburb of Flint, basically. Well, 
commuter town. So I called her and she tells me, I tell her I saw this huge triangle almost on the ground. And she says, oh, honey, you're not going crazy. She says, two ladies carpooling to Lucas Surtec about 10 hours before you at the same spot between Baldwin and Thompson Road. They were driving south. And suddenly she said they, they just realized for reasons they couldn't explain are going north. And they started laughing. Then they turned around, their perception being that this took like five or eight, ten minutes. And she said on their second pass, the same spot that I drove under this, although it was just to the right of the freeway, in their case, it was straddling the freeway. They drove under it right there. It was straddling both lanes of the freeway. This, these are two ladies who I don't even know, right? I hear this crazy story. She comes to my house, takes a report. But I was, I didn't know what to make of it. I was like, wow, that's pretty wild. I mean, they, they got to work an hour late, she said. And, and then I go to work on Monday. Carolyn asks me to call her. Again, again, two women carpooling. Almost the identical story. You know, except that happens to them at the same spot at like five o'clock in the morning, you know, on the, you know, the morning, the 18th, whereas these other two ladies who I have no idea who they are, it would have been, you know, almost March 18th. It was, you know, 10 o'clock at night on like the 17th. But, you know, just before this happens to Carolyn and Felicia, these two other women, she, this lady tells me the same story. And then I, then I go to work. And I call, so you can imagine, now do you understand why, you know, I was so blown away, man, I was a mess for about a month, just seeing this thing that close. I mean, you've heard Alex talk, me and him were so close to this thing. I mean, we're talking so close. That was freaky enough. Then in my case, there's all this, I've got these stories of two sets of women who have, don't know each other at all. They don't even know each other exists. I happen to find out about it through, again, a freaking synchronicity that's just bizarre, you know. And all uh, of this, all of this stuff is a bizarre synchronicity. And I want to bring up synchronicity because um, there's a lot of synchronicity surrounding the UFO phenomena. There's actually a book written by, um, it's called Aliens in the Backyard, and it's written by. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. Well, basically, it goes on about or a high increase synchronicity around abductees and experiences to such an uncanny level. Yeah. Now guy, before we, before we wrap up your story and Michelle and I will talk about our encounter, it wasn't as that intense, but there was a little dark turn. And I believe you found out something about Felicia later. And, and if people want to get deeper into your story Go back and listen to episode four and episode 14, where we did the round round tail table with Ed and Alex. And uh, you guys, you know, everybody can get the full stories on those, but this is, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I, and I, I do apologize. I probably not the sort of thing you should say on a podcast, but I got woke up in the middle of the night a couple of times. I'm tired and I'm kind of rushing to get through this because I want to give, Mr. X, plenty of time. He's got a, an absolutely fascinating story. Very bright, compassionate, smart, insightful guy. And I'm anxious to give him space. So I kind of raced through this and uh, not at my best, but hopefully I've you know, summed it up pretty well. Uh, you asked me, there was another odd feature that's, you know, sounds as, you know, it's going to strike a lot of people as completely preposterous. I, it's, it does me to this day. Um, 
Went to work on Monday. Coworker asks me to call her after work. Her name is Carolyn. She's my only friend at work. Uh, she tells me this crazy story in tears of her van spinning around, her waking up on a table, her seeing her reflection in the eye of the milky eye of this being and, you know, just crazy stuff. Ending up driving the wrong way on the freeway. They don't know what happened, but it starts coming back. So anyway, on Tuesday, again, another coincidence, my then wife who never worked in our marriage starts working in that factory. We did a rough spot. She's going to work down there with me. She works on a line that day with the gal who was in the passenger seat, Felicia, who I noticed waved to, but I don't really know her. Okay, so Felicia must have known that Carolyn called me. She figures out that Shelly's my wife. And over the course of the day, she kind of spills her guts to my wife. And according to my wife, when I talked to Carolyn, she was extremely upset. I thought she was going to end up in a hospital, literally. Uh, my, my feeling when my wife spoke to me on the way home was that Felicia seemed a little more calm about it, which makes me think maybe this was not her first rodeo, but uh, especially after what she told my wife. Uh, we're driving home. We get in the car to drive home, and my wife says to me, you're not going to believe what Felicia told me. And I was like, my, my brains were already fried. I'm like, what's, what's this going to be? You know, I'm like, okay, lay it on me. And she says, uh, she says, well, she just flatly said that her and Carolyn got abducted by aliens and she's been trying to get pregnant and having various problems. And she doesn't know why, but she said she thinks these guys quotation marks here made her pregnant. And I, I was like, when my wife said that, I was like, I kind of shut down. I said, okay, this is getting way, way too crazy. I just told her, I said, I don't want to hear any more about this. All right. I just, my, my brains were kind of gripping out my ears. Just seeing this thing that close was, was too damn freaky. And, and then all this other stuff. And now what she's telling me, what, I, this is like a funky tablet, what I'm having an alien's baby. I was like, come on, man. So, and I tried to put this out of my life to a degree because I didn't want to think about it. And, and I mean, who do you talk to about this? I mean, uh, I mean, uh, I, where do you put this intellectual, intellectually and emotionally? And I was trained in science, you know. I mean, what do I do with this cockamamie story? And that, that particular piece of this story, I ignored. And I quit that job literally about two weeks later. I did not know Felicia's last name. And rest in peace, Carolyn. She passed away about two years ago. I, I knew Carolyn's name, but uh, I didn't know what became of Felicia. I thought I'd never find anything more out. Years and years passed, like literally uh, 17 years, divorced and remarried. And my wife, God bless my wife, Linda, I love her more than anything. And she puts up with me, you know, hopping on about this stuff ad nauseum. And she's heard it a thousand times. and. Uh, she did something that I'd never done. She did a, a Google search for carpool alien abduction Flint, right? I didn't know. I was surfing the web. We got a long table with some computers. And just one night about four or five years ago. And she says, honey, come look at this. And I go over and she's on the MUFON website. And there's a submission. Obviously, it's unsigned, but it's obviously written by Felicia. She's driving from Flint in March to a factory down near, she says Brighton, it's New Hudson, but 
everybody knows Brighton. She's in the passenger seat of a conversion van. It starts spinning around. I'm like, okay, this is Felicia, right? And you've you've read this before. You've read her submission. I think you, uh, Michelle did a real nice job. She read it at, at the top of episode 14, if you want to hear that. It's, uh, you have to join the MUFON website now. And I, I don't have it in front of me, but but the final sentence, I you know, she talks about the van spinning and there's colored lights and why aren't people stopping to help and they must see us, but we're going up in the air and yada, yada, yada. And as you know, the last sentence, which I'm paraphrasing, and she says something like, we went to work and people had seen the craft and said it was massive and they saw nothing in the sky. She said, I put two and two together and realized that we were in it. And the strangest thing of all is that something like nine months later, I had my son who is now 17. I almost fell over dead. I was like, you know, the, the painful part of a story, like I was, seems like I was dumped in the middle of this bizarre, this bizarre scenario. And I've got this crazy narrative that I know that if I heard it, I would think, is this guy lying? Is he schizophrenic? Is, is he of course. to get attention? I mean, yeah, I, I, didn't, I wouldn't be able to buy this. I mean, and this is what happened. And, and, and then I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to get into it. I thought I was in the clear. I thought, hey, they took them. They didn't, they didn't take me. It's the wrong place, wrong time. 18 years pass. I see nothing in the sky. But twice in four nights, my house in the city is literally lit up. There's a beam of blue light around it, like a laser. Uh, the second night it happened, I was asleep. First night I was awake. My wife was gone. Second night, uh, she by chance was awake. And she said I was kind of appeared. She was hysterical. It scared her so bad. And she said that I appeared unconscious or unresponsive or, you know, just kind of, she said she shook me to wake me up because she was so flipped out. It was this beam of blue light all around her house. And after that, man, it was, my life just changed dramatically. I, this stuff is so bizarre, man. It's so bizarre. And it's lonely as hell because, you know, people think you're, you know, fruit, a fruit loop. If, and this is what happened. And Carolyn and Felicia were good, honest. I, I just thought the world of Carolyn. She was my best buddy at work and good, honest, hardworking people. And uh, she sang in a gospel band her whole life, you know? I mean, they weren't like new age UFO types. I mean, you know, they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time or something. I don't know, but that's my story. And I hope, hopefully I didn't do too bad a job. I'm a bit no, tired. And uh, that was perfect. And once again, if people want to hear this whole story, episode four is with just myself and Michelle and Guy. And then episode 14 is our round table where we talk about these different things that happen. And that's kind of going to lead us into Michelle and I doing a quick recap of our experience. And then we're going to get into Mr. X's experience here. Well, so, and you know, Guy mentioned something about the the stigma behind reporting it when people do speak out about their occurrences and their sightings that that raised eyebrow approach um that audiences do and it's so funny still you know you'll get the people that will come up to you and like secretly on the side go heard your podcast um i believe but then you've got other folks that that they, they'll never get away from the 
just the the ideology that if you speak out about seeing something, you got to be nuts. So, and you said it best, Guy, when you talked earlier, um, I don't know if we were on the recording yet, about the fact that, you know, Wayne and I are teachers and, you know, has education made me crazy over, you know, the 22 years? Maybe, maybe uh-huh. I am, you know, the crazy English teacher at the end of the hall that you just leave alone. No, no. But, <laughs> but you know, we know what we saw. Yeah, exactly. And, and here's the thing, me and her were together. So somehow we were going to have a exactly the same kind of a hallucination. I mean, so it, it the, from a scientific standpoint and my background in psychology. And things, yeah. Well, and it would have been different if like yeah. I had been at bingo that night by myself, which I had done many a times met my, you know, my girlfriends up there for, you know, a night of laughs, but, and if I would have made it home that night and told him, you're not going to believe what I saw, you know, he probably would have looked like I was completely not nuts at that point. And reverse that situation. If it was just me by myself without her with me when we saw that, because I just happened to be playing bingo with her that night. And it, it was a late night bingo that got out at two 30. And honestly, if I would have seen something like that with my military background, my education, my science background, all of that stuff, I would not. I would I probably wouldn't have even said anything to her about it. I'd just let her sleep and just go to bed myself. But kind of our story and people, if you want to hear our story, uh I'm not gonna say it's the best recording and stuff. It was our very first one that kind of kicked all of this off, and that was our episode zero. And uh so you can listen to that to get the full recap of our story, but Strangely enough, our sighting was, yes, at 2.30 in the morning, we were leaving a late night bingo session. In Westland, Michigan. Yep. Um, we happened to, you know, travel west on to our on Ford Road towards 275. Right. Because it was the easiest route home just to take the, the freeway. Yep. And as we started to approach. But what was you, the date, honey? It was March ninth of 2018 march ninth even march ninth you know because that was a big deal to me when you because when we did the round table all of us were march yeah because yours was march 18th yep so ours was march 9th and sometimes i tend to switch them because i'm thinking of your situation and what they're all multiples of three and nine yeah so but you know we get closer to 275 and you can see something moving in the distance over top of one of the superstores, which is the Ikea store at Ford Road and 275. And I'm looking at it going and seeing three bright white lights. And I'm thinking those are landing lights from an airliner trying to land at Detroit Metro Airport, which we live close by. And it is way off track or this thing is going to crash right here, right now in Canton, which is a suburb of Detroit. But it instead, when we got off of Ford Road, we got onto kind of like a, a roundabout onto 275. The on-ramp, yeah. It yeah, the on-ramp. It had maneuvered over top 
of one of the hotels there and also an Italian restaurant right there and just sat there. So I put the window down. Of course, my phone was in my purse that was on the floor of the Jeep. And if anybody knows Jeeps, you can't bend over very well to grab anything off the floor. So, you know, I'm looking at it. There's no sound from it. You can see the three lights there. It looked as though there were rectangular lights in the back. But I mean, there was no propulsion. There was no just um, these glowing, these glowing orbs. And I want to add in here just real quick is that these glowing orbs looked like they were recessed. But when we got closer to it and I was on the, the driver's side, so I was the one that was closest to it um, when we went on that roundabout to get on the expressway. When I looked up from my vantage point and I saw the three lights I could see that there was some type of a skin. It almost looked like a skin connecting the three lights. And those, um, uh, that skin almost looked like a mirage. Like it was absorbing light from the ground, from the street lights that were reflecting off the concrete. But these orbs, which was really weird with as bright as they looked, those orbs should have been casting light onto the ground with as close, or at least on the top of the buildings that we would be able to see with as close as that thing was as, to the surface. A and skin was, like a cloaking device? It was something weird. It looked like a mirage. Yeah, but it's like, you know, we can see you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Almost like we weren't supposed to see it. And when we were driving toward it, I, I'm not going to say it was a tel- like telepathy or a warning being put in my head. But all I knew was we need to get the hell out of here, get the hell out of here. And I'm asking, when did the military get that stuff? I've got my window down. I'm inquisitive. I'm like, what is this thing? So she, that's the famous line. When did our military get something like that? And I said to her, uh, not that I've ever known of. And that's when like the, the, the panic, kind of set in and i started gunning this thing well and when it when it moved it was at treetop level um and the way that it moved it it was more like a a slow pivot but it was it rotated it was slow yep um there was no aerodynamics involved because it was almost stationary and there's no way a craft that is an equilateral triangle 300 feet on each side can move and just and not have to create a type of an airfoil to to create lift aerodynamically there was no way this thing was creating lift at all it well, was about 250 to 300 feet on each side and, and it just sat there and then rotated the only thing that we can say as far as its you know direction following afterwards it was going south uh southwest yeah, it, well it moved um, parallel to and us. there is another airport called willow run airport in the ypsilanti area um which was the direction that it was going but you know once it kind of paralleled us for a moment on the expressway we got underneath um an embankment where it would have opened up again and the wall wasn't so high um where you could start to see homes and everything and it was gone a, a craft that big whatever that was that big was just gone it just disappeared 
And strangely enough, um, we did get, and, and they've trickled in. So I've kind of forgotten about these through our Facebook group, people that have said that that night and a, even a few nights later, they did see this thing in the area of us 23 and 94, somewhere kind of over there by Ann Arbor. Um, and a little bit south as well. So I do know I had received a couple of uh, reports from people that were, you know, out and about at that time at night. So it is confirmed that what we saw, other people did see. Now, what was weird was there were cars, not a lot, but there were cars going by at the same time we were. And nobody else has said anything about seeing it. I don't think other people could see it for whatever reason it, whatever was going on, their perception, how it was angled, who knows, but then now this is something I haven't really talked about before, but it, and and it could just be me trying to correlate things or whatnot, but I was probably the one that was the closest to the craft as we went around the, the on-ramp kind of like a roundabout and then got on 275 South about five months after that, I started to feel pretty ill and, and things started going really crazy in my head. Um, we didn't start the podcast yet. All we did was start the, uh, Facebook group asking people, you know, and it's a private group. You can't get in unless you join you know, and asked to join and asking people, Hey, do anybody see anything this night and seeing what we got And boom, 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 boom. People were sending us stuff left and right. And that's how we met guy. Um, and, and well, and plus we, we then later, what was it? Two years later, we started the podcast. Yeah. 2020. So we didn't even think about doing a podcast just yet. But what was strange in 2018, toward the fall, I start school back up. And I I, seriously, I don't think I've discussed this before, but I ended up going through what they call a thyroid storm and come to find out my thyroid is hyperactive just all of a sudden. And my beard turned completely white. My hair turned white. And I lost a ton of weight and they said I had Graves disease and it was really, really bizarre. And I was a totally different person. Go ahead. We started the podcast almost two years ago coming up. The group on Facebook's actually been going for four years. Right, right. So we so. started that group and talking to people for four oh, years. we were searching. Yeah, we were. We, we, we were, were searching looking. for other people in the Canton area. It's like, okay, we can't be the only two. Okay, granted, it was two thirty in the morning, but maybe it was you know somebody was uh, you know going to work. I right. hate to say it, leaving a bar, um, but still, that conversation could have been had. Yeah. So, anyways, it was March the 9th for our for, for our, our yeah right two thousand eighteen. Um. I've had some strange medical things going on with the thyroid issue. Um, I don't know if it's connected or not, but it was really, really bizarre. The weight loss was really weird. Um, Trying to teach kids that first week, I had to take two weeks off till they could get my hormone levels straight. And I was, 
I was literally feeling like I was going crazy because of the hormone imbalance and oh, guys, metabolism he, going. He lost the, a crazy amount of weight. Oh man. And in my, it, it, it was just, I was literally like driving myself insane. I would try to teach the kids that first week and try to uh, write on my board, my whiteboard and my hands were shaking so hard that I couldn't write a single word or a letter that could be recognizable. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to the emergency room. Of course they didn't find anything. They send me home. So luckily for us, we can access our medical records and blood test through the web. I pull up my, my records and I look and I see a red flag that the doctor did not see. And it says my TSH, which is the thyroid stimulating hormone is through the roof, like just cooking my thyroid. And then when I went to a proper doctor, they found that my thyroid was hyperactive. So you, I take I a medicine to, I don't want to interrupt, but you didn't yeah. like didn't lose any time or anything, right? No, nope. But no. I was the closest one to this. But it reminds thing. me of what Dr. Um, Greg Little was saying about being in the fields of these things. Um, I can't remember the exact words, but when you're actually caught within the energetic magnetic field of it, things happen. Yeah. And I think, and I think I got caught up in that possibly uh, again, yeah. speculation. Um, I think I was the closest. I got caught up with it. And, and that's when the, the, the sense of, or the, I don't want to say voice, man. I don't know how to explain well, it, but it was get, <laughs> get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. And I, and I did, I, I drove that Jeep. So in that situation, both her and I, from my situation, I didn't tell her to try to grab her phone or anything. It was get out, get out, get out, get out. And uh, so my, my thought was run and survive. And that was it. So again, I'm sorry, but um, again, people, if you want to hear our account of it, uh, episode zero, check it out. That's our, our full account. And then in other podcasts like this one, other episodes, we do uh, bring this up with certain guests and try to compare notes and things. So you'll hear us talk about it before, but if you're new to the podcast, um, check that out. And there's a quick recap for you. I don't know, Michelle, did you want to add in anything else? No, I just know I keep my phone much more handy than yeah. I did before. Now, now it's a quest. Now it's a goal. And and then starting this podcast and everything, I I think it was really a a uh, synchron not a synchronicity, but it was a, an in inspiration to talk about these things. And as a science teacher, this still, I'm a nuts and bolts guy. This makes no sense to me yeah. whatsoever any of it welcome but, to the club man right <laughs> but the synchronicity my, granted in my bachelor bachelor of science is in is in uh you know the behavioral sciences sure absolutely but i still had to take you know statistics and that you know and i had to conform to you know i studied the scientific method and i'm a nuts i do drywall plumbing and electrical i'm a nuts and bolts guy i build things this is way out of my wheelhouse and you know i'm like yeah, it I makes know. itself, it makes itself part of your wheelhouse. And, it, and oh, yeah. I don't know what it is, 
but it is something because we have been inundated. And then the next thing we knew, uh, what was it? The, the UFO report from the government starts to come out. We started the podcast way before even knowing anything about that and what was going on or what the buzz was with, uh, ufology. I didn't even know what the hell that name was. It, it, it's just so yes. bizarre. And, talking about numbers and synchronicities, it was pretty much after we started the podcast, I started waking up every other night, taking a picture on my phone. Cause it was three 33, every morning I would wake up and I took a picture. So I got pictures on my phone of screenshots of my, my phone at three 33 with different dates, every freaking night. For like two weeks, it was three thirty-three. Crazy, and then it went to like every other night. It it it's it's just, and then I've had this fascination with three, six, and nine, the Tesla numbers, and playing around with numerology and like learning about these different numbers and sacred geometry and all this stuff. And then it's really brought me into, and I don't know if this is a synchronicity or not. But it's led me into like the Randall Carlson ancient humans with high tech built Atlantis, built the pyramids. They were wiped out 76,000 years ago or 12,500 years ago when the last ice age ended. And I keep on getting drawn back into that because of my background in earth science, you know, dynamic earth, natural disasters, earthquakes, volcanoes asteroid impacts, the ending of the dinosaur. I keep on getting back into that. And I don't know if it's, it's steering me into and basically steering us into this realm of, and this could be part of the speculation part at the end of this podcast, we're going to do some speculating and stuff, but I don't know if they're trying to lead or give me and Michelle clues as to what this really is. I mean, just a couple episodes ago, we had Dr. Greg Little on and he's talking about the trickster in Native American mythology and plasma and how these plasmas move and seem intelligent. I mean, it's 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 crazy. It's a hell of a rabbit hole. I mean, oh my god yes it, it like i say we're the podcast that goes down the rabbit hole on an escalator because <laughs> you know i go you know we're going down slowly but surely wait wait till you hear mr x's story yeah we're, and, and we're so, about to take a go way down that rabbit hole you might need an oxygen supplement i mean it's yeah I was going to say, do we want to take a break for a moment and get a stretch, get something to drink? I'm going to make another cup of coffee. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and hear a word from some of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everyone. 
This is Jared Murphy of NotAliens.com, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle from Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. Hey there, it's Richard Serrett, occasional weekend guest host of Coast to Coast AM and host of The Conspiracy Show. And you're listening to Wayne and Michelle's Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. What's up, everyone? This is Burton. And Aaron from Lost in the Dark podcast. And raise your horns because you're listening to Wayne and Michelle from Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. What is up, you guys? It's your girl, Gemma Jade, from Gemma Jade YouTube, Moonbear Oracle, Paranormal Chop Shop. You're here listening to Wayne and Michelle with the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hi, this is Chris Lato of the Chris Lato YouTube channel, retired F-16 pilot turned UAP investigator, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hi, this is Terry Lane Keel, director of MUFON memberships, investigator, demonologist, and author of Alien Healing, the true story of a benevolent extraterrestrial. And you're listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hello everyone, this is Michael Schrett, military aerospace historian and private pilot, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle at the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast, and we're glad to have you with us today. Hi, this is Seth Talk from MUFON and the author of You Have the Right to Talk to Aliens and the host of Alien Spirit TV with Sev on YouTube. You're listening to Wayne and Michelle at the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? This is Big Willie with the UFO Garage podcast, where we're all about UFOs, aliens, and all things weird. I also run a podcast, Band of Bearded Brothers, with my brother Micah, B-O-B-B for short. And you are listening to Wayne and Michelle with the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. So take a seat and buckle up as they educate us on all things woo. Hi, this is Alex Nowitzki, and you're listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. What I'd like to show you guys is the infinite pool of experience and awareness, which can be found at LuciusLabs.com. And it's a book that I've written after basically meditating for 27 years. It basically goes over modern physics. It takes you all the way from modern accepted physics to understanding that we live in a layering of conscious types within time and that our consciousness is eternal.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back from that break. It is now time for us to bring on our special guest who's been patiently listening to us recount our stories. And Mr. X, again, thank you for joining us. We are honored to have you on and to tell your story for the first time to a podcast. And I think this was probably meant to happen that you came on here to tell your story and you know, I'm just going to give the microphone to you and let you tell us what happened. Well, thank you very much. I won't lie. I'm a bit nervous because um, it's triggering. You know, cut a long story short. And um, I don't really care. I actually don't really care what people think of me. But um, it's just the actual emotional turmoil of the incident put me through. So I'm going to try and relay best what I can. But basically, um, I was 18 years old. I had just turned 18. And I was living, obviously, in England, the UK, in a small county called Wiltshire, a quite big county called Wiltshire, but a small town in the county called Wiltshire, which at the time was famous for the crop circles. All the crop circles were appearing around that area, and it's famous for megalithic sites like Stonehenge, Avery Stone Circle, Silbury Hill, and lots of other you know, previous, you know, ancient sites which attract people for numerous reasons. But anyway, I'd been at my friend's house, and I was walking home for about half 11 at night, and I was really into my fitness back then. My body and my fitness and my religion. I wasn't the most brightest kid at school. I wasn't very bright at all, to be honest with you, apart from my artwork. And um, so my 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 fitness was my my goal, you know, to get something to do with fitness. Um, whether it be a personal training instructor, which I was thinking of at the time, my body was my temple. And I also used to love listening to music. Um, I would be an artist, I would put on headphones, put music on, and I could create images in my mind which I could try and create in 2D because we didn't have computers back then which could do 3D. But I could actually make the models in my mind in 3D and move them around and grow them and stretch them and disassemble them. And that was my pleasure. That was my runaway, you know, put on some good music and ha- go to this. And this is about, this is also I like to add, this is without drugs or anything. I mean, this is part of my imagination because I just want to put that out there before anyone thinks I'm on acid or anything. But um, it was just amazing. I loved it. I was, I was really headstrong. I was really independent because I had to be where I grew up and how I grew up. And I'm walking home one night and um, when I used to do my running, when I'd get fatigued, I don't know if you've ever heard about it, but some people, which I used to use, make my, imagine my legs turn into light. And when I'd imagine my legs and arms turn into light, I could push out those extra few hundred metres or whatever and run further. When I'm doing weight training, if I couldn't push the barbell up, I'd imagine like a, two glowing silver men spotting me and help me push it up with me. I was very mind over matter, do you know what I mean, believing in using the power uh, just real quick, I didn't want to interrupt you, but what year was this? 1997, the year Hell Bop Comet was here. If okay. everyone can remember, especially in England, the Hell Bop Comet was here. So it was a magnificent time because it was in the air for so long. And um, it's a spectacle I'd not seen before in my life as well. Um, but I was walking home and I was very tired. And what I was doing is, is daydreaming as I was walking, mind over matter. And I was imagining myself in some sort of like mech suit, robotic mech suit being carried home. Because it's just mind over matter. I, I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's easy. That's what I've done. And I got around the corner and it's like something went and just snapped me out of it. You know, and I'm like, what's going on? Instantly, like, what's, where, where's my daydream gone? Why am I wide awake? You know? Um, and I felt so hyper aware and hyper vigilant and everything was so silent. And I'm like, what is this? Well, no, I didn't think much of it. I looked around and carried on walking. And then, to the right of my head, I started hearing this noise. I'll try and replicate it because it's a really peculiar noise, but it's like... But very low, to the left side of my head, near my ear, 
I turn to see where this noise is coming from. And if I ask people in the audience to take your hand and put it over your left ear, and you can see just out of your peripheral vision, your hand. Now, I start to see something merging and appearing in that vicinity. And the only way to describe it is if you've got a digital watch, and the digital watch is made up of eights, isn't it? Eight, 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 eight. And then it makes different numbers. Well, if you look at each section of the digital watch, they're like rectangles, with little pointed ends. You got me? You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So there's a lattice of golden orange, these crystal shapes growing to the left side of my head with this noise growing as well. And I'm thinking, what the is this? What the is this? And then my attention got drawn up, to, drawn up to look in the sky. And I looked up in the sky, and instantly I had this fear of dread. My stomach just twisted. My stomach twisted, like, I'm in trouble. I'm in serious trouble here. And before I could fathom out what's going on, I noticed the point of light moving in the sky. But it's moving so slow, and there are so many other stars. It's such a clear night. I couldn't discern whether it was a bright star or not. So I stood next to a lamppost and watched it, moving closer, but ever so slowly towards the lamppost in the distance. Okay, just... So anyway, I'm, I'm freaking out because this noise is getting louder and I can see this thing moving and I've got this instant sense of dread and I, don't, I didn't spook easy, you know? So now I, it's all new for me. This is all new territory, you know? I'm just turned 18. I'm a kid, you know, I'm a young man still, you know? And this has already caused me problems. So I start walking and I'm keeping my eye on this object in the sky and this noise is getting louder and louder and louder and I froze. I still to this day don't understand why I froze. But I froze on the spot. The object's nowhere near me. It could still be a star. It could be a plane. It could be a helicopter, you know, with a bright light on it. But I'm just frozen on the spot. So I'm like, why can't I move? And I'm hearing this noise. I can't move. And then somebody comes out of their garden, but almost bumps into me. And I just look at him. What the fuck do I... Oh, sorry. I have to really delete that. Sorry. What the hell do you say? Like, excuse me, mate, can you see those orange lights next to my head and hear that weird noise? <laughs> I didn't know what to do. So I just looked at him and hoping he'd point it out himself. <laughs> and um, he didn't. And he got in his car. And I looked down at his car. I looked up at the object. I looked back down at his car. And he looked at me, shook his head as in like, whatever, mate. Then reversed at the road. And as he reversed at the road, I looked back at the object. And it was really, really, really high up in the sky, yeah? But it's definitely moved now. And if you had blinked, you'd have missed it. But it went from being extremely high up, this orangey golden amber light, bang, from down to above the house's rooftops in the distance. It left, you know, you get those kids sparklers, you wave sparklers in the air, it leaves a trail. It left a perfectly straight line as it went down, where the, where the light couldn't even keep up with it. This is when I knew I'm in trouble. This is not a helicopter. This is not a plane. This is something, this is something else, you know? And you pair it up with these weird sensations and me being froze on the spot, I need to get out of here. I just got to get out of here. But the trouble was, my house was probably around 600, 700 meters to my right in front of me. This object was probably, I'd say, 2,000 meters over the rooftops of the houses to the left, a good distance away. Yeah. And I thought, if I can get to my house, everything will be fine. Just get to my house, get in my house, I'll be all right. <clears throat> so I look at the floor because I'm not looking up at it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, I look at the floor, look at my feet, and like just get home. And I, so I'm, I'm babbling to myself now. And you know, I was I was a headstrong person and an egotistical little so and so, you know. So the very fact that I'm babbling to myself is like this isn't good, you know. But I am this can't be happening, this can't be happening. No, this isn't real. This isn't real. I just got to get home. I just got to my house. I just got to get to my house. So I'm looking at the floor, and I get just onto the path near, not too far from my house, and I froze again. But this time, I think it was me being scared. 
you know, the last time that wasn't me. This time I can say, yeah, this is me being scared. But I was still on the path, not too far from my house. And my fear was, I think I was thinking, where is this object? Where is this object? And my, my calculation, because one of the few times I did look up, seeing it in closer, would it be about, say, 600 metres away to the left above the houses? My fear was that it'd be right above my head, like in the movies. And then my fear got even destroyed. This object was waiting. It changed its course from the left to the right and was waiting above my house for me. It was waiting right above my house. And it was a golden ball of light, okay? I'm very bad with numbers and sizes. But if you took, like, say, a transit van, you know what a transit van is? Like a, a workman's van? And you span it around 360 degrees, so making a circle, if that makes any sense. That ball of light was that, like that size. So we're probably talking about what? Could you give me a size to that? Uh, like a moving van? What would you say? If you just took a transit van, yeah, and spun it around its axis, so it made a circle. I'm, I'm sorry, it's a boring good description, but it was a, it, it was big enough to be a van, a van size. You know, people could have been, things could have been in it. Yeah. So it was an orange, this old golden orange ball. This wasn't a problem. The problem was, I ask anyone who's listening to look at their lights, in their roof, or in their room, or in out in the street, and squint your eyes, yeah? And when you do that, you will see shards of light shooting off. You got me? Yeah, and like a lens, go, like a lens flare. Okay. Well, these shards, these this thing has hundreds and hundreds of shards of light shooting off it. Yeah. When you look at a natural shard of light when you squint your eyes, it starts off bright, 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 dimmer, 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 dimmer and it, it fades away. This thing went bright, 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 dim, dip, stop, stop. It stopped. The light was unnaturally stopping, like there's a cloak around it. Oh, that sounds kind of familiar. Well, it was like there was a cloak around it, and I couldn't get my head around why are these beams of light stopping? Why isn't it shining on the roof? Why isn't it illuminating anything around it? Because it's just so intense, you know? And the other thing as well, at the top and at the bottom, there was like a section missing. I only want to describe it as like someone took a bite of an apple at the top and a bite of an apple at the bottom, and the lights are ending prematurely there. It's all I can describe it as. So I'm looking at this ball of light and I'm basically saying, I can't go, I can't go, I can't go. Because I was thinking of my friends, my family and my girlfriend, all kinds of stuff. Just millions of thoughts rushing through my head and then snap. The only thing, this is going to be so hard to describe. I've never done chemical drugs in my life. When I've explained it to people, they said it sounds like a good um, ecstasy hit. But all I can remember is being millions of shards of, of like strings of light. I was millions of these shards of strings of light, yeah? And it's almost like they had it's a bad description, but like diamonds or something on them. And these shards of light were moving around, okay? And when they'd connect and bang into each other, the diamonds would ripple. And they'd send out the most amazing, beautiful, euphoric, calming energy I've felt in my life ever. Ever. The only time I felt something more close to that in the slightest was when I was at a protest in London, when there's a million people in London marching against the war in Iraq. And when they were doing a Mexican wave through the streets. And honestly, this rush of energy, what rushed through me when the Mexican wave went through me was about 10% of what I felt in that state when I was feeling, you know? And my mind's always trying to make sense of it, but it hasn't. But anyway, I come to, I've stood there and I'm on these, these bits of light. I'll see if I can describe it. And then I can feel my feet. And then I can feel my knees. And then I can feel my thighs. And I can feel my abdomen. This light's drawing out of me. I'm starting to feel my body again. And I can remember when it got to my head, my first conscious memory I had of being me was standing on my tiptoes, begging, begging like a child for something not to leave me. 
something popped out my head as I stood on my tiptoes and I was pleading not to leave me, whatever they were, which I don't know to this day. And I come to, I don't know how often you've heard it, but pure silence. I could hear my heart go. I could hear my heartbeat, but when I could hear my heartbeat, I could literally see a ripple of golden energy coming out around me, like water drop, water dropped around me, and my heartbeat was creating a ripple. So when I'm looking at this ripple, I'm like, oh my God. So I lift my hands up, and as I lift my hands up, the only way to describe that was if you put your hands in water in a swimming pool, slowly or fast even, it separates between your fingers and your hands, you can see it and feel it. So when I lifted my hands up to this ripple, it was doing the same again, like energy was parting between my fingers and my hands. Very similar to what I now understand now is what Qigong masters and that have. But I didn't know nothing about this stuff back then. Do you know what I mean? So I'm feeling this energy and looking at my hands and thinking, whoa. And then I felt like to the right of my head, this sharp sensation go like that. And it hurt. And I thought, what the heck is that? And I turned around and there's a cat looking at me. <laughs> and I thought, what? <laughs> I thought, a cat? I thought, what? And um, so I looked at the cat and said, you know, go away, sort of thing. And then this noise and in my head and this cat's eyes the way to describe it it's like a vortex of black and purple and green energies coming out of this cat's eyes as the noise is getting louder and I was feeling in a real bad way so I looked away I winked away and then boom snap again deja vu I'm feeling good again I hear my heartbeat I see my heartbeat I lift my hands up I'm like the cat I turn around the cat comes out I look away from the cat don't want that happening again do you know what I mean thinking what is going on what is going on what is going on and that's it what is going on? I started asking myself, what is going on? And that beautiful feeling started to dissipate. As I started thinking, what is going on? That beautiful feeling started to dissipate. And I thought, no, 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 come back, come back, come back. But now I'm thinking, I'm thinking, come back. So it's like my mind engaging in conscious thought, severed whatever connection maybe was made with that, in, that, that ball or whatever was going on. I, I, I don't know, but I was missing something. And I didn't I want to have it back. So now I'm thinking and I, Next thing was to look around if, anyone's, if anyone else is in the street. So I'm looking around for someone in the street to say, Jesus, man, what happened to you, you know? Or someone's look out the window going, oh, my God, what happened to you? You're all right. Just to confirm that I wasn't going absolutely bonkers. And um, no one was about. So I started, my head was shaved at the time, perfectly shaved, like thick shaved. And I was walking to get into my house. I'm just about to turn the driveway to my house. And I felt like something like hair gel splat on my head. And this hair gel started growing. It went all over my head, started running down. But it wasn't hair gel, but it felt like hair gel. It was cool and cold. And it went in my ear, and it moved into my mouth. It started going into my nose and wrapping around me. And the first time I saw it is when I looked at my left arm, and I could see it wrapping around my left arm. And it was like a hologram. And it was like a hologram wrapping around me of purples and dark colours and stuff like that and blacks. So I tried pulling it off, and I couldn't. And I'm like, what is going on? And the next thing I know, I'm leaning over to be sick. I'm about to be sick. I don't know where this come from, but I was just like, get the F off of me. And it's like I threw someone off my back. And I, as I threw this imaginary thing off my back, the, the sky is pure black. The sky is pure black. And I'm talking pure black. I'm not talking dark. I'm talking a black what's never been seen. I'm an artist, yeah? I've never seen a black light in my life. On no TV screen, on no monitor screen, on no paint pigment. It was black. So I start looking back down and I can notice a hue of the streetlights and the stars in the sky and stuff like that, and blackness, which where, where it ended. So I look back up and I basically saw a black triangle dangling above my head. And I say dangling, 
it was dangling so delicately. It's almost like it was, it was probably, if you take an English coach, which I think is around 12 or 15 metres, by 12 metres, we do metres here. It wasn't as big as your guys you described, but it's this triangle, 12 metres by 12 metres, roughly, I'd say. It's pretty big still, like three coaches, and it was low. Like you guys, I could have hit it with a stone. Okay? But my first thought was, my first thought wasn't, oh, there's a triangle UFO above my head. My first irrational thought was, someone's cut a hole in the sky. I know how ludicrous that sounds, but this was so surreal. It looked like it wasn't real, like a hologram. It was that blackness, right? It, it almost it looked like a portal. Yeah, it looked like it looked like a it looked like there's a black hole in the sky and it was dangling, like wobbling ever so gently. And then, so I'm stood there looking at this black hole, black triangle, should I say? And then on each corner, a boomerang. Each corner of this triangle, a boomerang light came on, red. And that's when I knew I was under a solid object. And that's when I went, I froze again. And this was involuntary. I froze so bad that my mouth went dry all the way from my lips, all the way down my throat. I felt if someone hit me with a hammer, I would have smashed the glass. I could not move. And that was just a fight or flight or freeze response, which I know well about. And that's what that was. That wasn't nothing supernatural or, or, or whatever. That was just me scared to live in death. Okay. Because I've never expected to see anything like this in my life. So I'm stood there under this triangle, unable to move with the red lights, but the red lights aren't red no more. They're green. But I did not see them change from red to green. But they're red again. I did not see them change to red. They were changing colour, but my mind was not perceiving the transition. So I was thinking, if I can cap, I can't move, but if I can capture these lights out, I'm losing, I'm losing the plot, mate. Let's be honest, right? So my rational mind's thinking, if I can see the red light change to the green light, I've got some semblance of control over the situation. So I'm just there trying to capture this red light and green light. Then a white light appears in the middle. And with that, the only way to describe it, I start vibrating. And the only way to describe it is like, they were like, you know when you drop oil in water and you get all those pretty colours on the surface of the oil? All these different translucent colours started coming down from around the triangle surrounding me. And I was vibrating. And it felt like I was melting. I couldn't tell the difference between my skin and that house or my foot on the ground or that triangle on my head. I was melting, it felt like. And I was like, and I managed to move and I broke out of whatever it was right so I got to the front door mate trying to get that key in the door my hand was doing this I was shaking my whole body was shaking and I couldn't get the key in the door so I quickly fought quick because this thing's right above the house now I put my elbow on my abdomen on my belly button my solar plexus yeah and held the key in my right hand and pulled up on my right hand and then I put my left hand, my left wrist, on my right wrist and pushed down with my left wrist just to get enough steadiness, you know, to get the key in the door. And I got the key in the door and then I had to use my body weight to get the key into the door. But I couldn't even turn it. I'm shaking that bad. I can't turn it. I'm so delirious. I'm trying to do it with my bloody mouth. Sorry for language. I'm trying to do it with my mouth. I'm just trying to get this key to it so I can get inside. And I managed to turn it and I got inside the door. So now I'm inside the house. Oh, God. What do I do? People I'm lodging with are upstairs, yeah? I'm an absolute mess. I'm hearing things. I'm feeling these weird things around me. There's a black triangle above the house. The first port of call would be run up and wake them up. But I was scared, of, just scared, like wake them up in this delirious state, drag them out of bed, nothing be there, and then think I'm some psychopath. You know what I mean? So I thought, what do I do? So I opened the, I went into the house, I opened the front door windows, went to the back patio extension, the extension, and opened the extension doors. 
And I just was going out in the back garden for about 10 minutes and looking out the window, seeing if it's above the house still, which it was. And this thing, the scary thing in, this thing knew where I was. Because if I was in the front garden, back garden, looking over the back garden and just peeking, just peeking out the back garden windows, it would come over and just show a corner of itself. I'd go back in the house, do it to the other window at the other end of the house, it'd do exactly the same thing. It knew where I was in the house, it knew where I was. Okay? So I sat down on the doorstep, hoping for a car to come past. So I sat on the doorstep just in the hope that somebody would walk past to go home or a car so they could share this experience because I thought I was going insane. Okay? And no one did. And then right in front of me, this ball of white light appeared. Okay? Like silvery white light. And it echoed. So I'm sat on the doorstep. And I'm just hoping and praying for someone to come down the street and validate that I wasn't going crazy by sharing this experience with me. Yet no one did. And then this white orb appeared. And um, right in front of me, and it echoed and it shimmered. And it said, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. They want you to go with them. They don't just want to take you. And with that, I was like, you know what? There's some truth to this because you see these films, abductions and stuff. Well, this is, a, this is an interaction. So I propped the front door open so I didn't have to open the door again with the key. And I got my shoes on, back on. And um, I started walking down the road. This thing was just floating in the sky. Like, like, it was like taking a giant triangular dog for a walk, you know? It's just dangling in the sky without a sound. Dang, and dangling is the word I will use. It, wasn't, it, wasn't, it didn't seem solid. It seemed solid, but not heavy, if that makes any sense. And I get to, I, I got this intuition where it wanted me to go. There was a playing field behind all the houses we lived at. So I got to that area, looked down the back of the houses where it's pure black to go to the playing field. And I just had this feeling that they wanted me to go around there, you know, and land or whatever. Was I going to do that? was I, I couldn't do it. I, I bottled it. I was a coward. I freaked out. So I ran back to the house, got back in the house, sat on the doorstep. It came back to the house for about 15 minutes, and then it flew away over the houses. And that's when I could see its three-dimensional element to it, because I'd always seen it pretty much from below. With it being so black, I couldn't really gauge the size. But when it flew away, there was um, like two lights. You know, if you get a torch and you shine it against the wall, yep. and you're stood directly below it, you don't see the lights, do you? If you like walk away from the wall a bit, you can see the lights shining at the wall. You understand what I'm saying? There were lights shining back this craft, which I couldn't see from below it. And I was like, what the frick? So I basically locked up, went to bed. I thought, right, well, I'm going to go to sleep now. I thought that'd be the end of it. Great. I can go to bed and yeah, all these voices or whatever's going on now will just, uh, it'd be like a nightmare and I'll wake up and have a good, you know, whatever. So I get into my bedroom. The point of all the all the sounds and stuff. I'm hearing all this stuff and feeling all this stuff, and it's, it's so hard to describe. It's like, it's like being in a holographic tornado. That's the only way I can describe it. And um, I'm sat on my bed, and a, a green beam of light comes through the curtains and shines on the wall behind me. So I take my duvet and I prop it up on the curtain pole to block it out, and it did. So now I'm sat on my bed without a duvet, basically in my in a fetal position, you know, because I am losing it. I'm losing the plot. Right. Now, my, um, my lodger's bedroom is behind me, right? Now, the bathroom and the hallway is to the right of me. The window is to in front of me. And the neighbor's house is to the left of me. A beam of light comes from the neighbor's side of the house, shines straight through a solid wall and shines onto the opposite wall. That's crazy. I am so delirious, right, mate? I'm spitting on my hands telling myself it's just glow-in-the-dark paint and I can rub it off. I've lost it. I've gone. I have gone, mate. I've gone. You know? I was. People say you've got snapping points. I must have snapped like five times. 
you know. Anyway, so I get on my bed and I sit on my bed and I close my eyes and I can see all these like things moving, different directions and every which way but one, like screens is the best way I can describe it, but moving all these different directions. And there's one staying perfectly still, a little, little white screen, light, and it would go sequentially, it'd go down, down. But when it goes down and stop, there'd be a wave of euphoria, but it was not the same nice feeling I had before. There's a sense of this ain't quite right. Do you know what I mean? But it felt nice, but this ain't quite right. It'd go down, euphoria down euphoria left euphoria up euphoria but every time it went down it get a bit closer and every time it stopped and sequence it moved it get a bit closer right right and there and there was and, and it got so close i just opened my eyes it's like no 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 i can't do this I can't do this and i know this sounds so cliche but it looked like something was forming in my room like not not like the predator but that same translucent way something was forming in my room a figure was forming in my room like like translucently so i closed my eyes again I close my eyes again and um the light's still doing its thing and it comes towards me I keep my eyes closed so I don't want to see what the f's in my room and it gets to the here in my eye and it starts moving behind it feels like it's gone into my eye and it's moving behind my eye in this part of my head it's moving around in sequential pattern and it's moving around and there's this strong vibration I could literally see a glowing white woman with long hair to left of me no facial features no but a glowing white woman to left of me Blowing white women to the right of me, and they're saying they're telling my name, they're calling my name, they're telling me to calm down, they're telling me everything's going to be all right, don't worry about it, you're fine, you're safe. And I felt like I was floating, and I really felt like I was floating, and I was like, you know, like what is going on? I was like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. So I snapped out of it again, and this is when things got even worse. As I snapped out of it, the only way I can describe this is if I had pulled out of my body. You hear people speak of astral bodies, yeah, and auras. Yeah, it's like. I, when I opened my eyes, I was climbing out the bloody window and the triangle was above the house again. But as I pulled out of it, the only way I can describe it is if I, I pulled out of my astral body and my real body got severed, if that makes any sense. And it, when that happened, all this pain, which I still get to this day, and voices and energies and things just went and flooded in. So now it's even worse than what it was before. So I get back to my bed get back to my bed and I realise that this thing, whatever's moving now on the left side of my head, right, is associated with that triangle now. I know that, okay? So I, I get back up and it's not there and there's a, re there's a really bright red light very far away to the right, bright red light far away to the left. I get out onto the extension because the extension was a flat roof building. So I got out onto the extension and there was a really bright red light over to the left there as well. I couldn't see if there was any others because of the house. But going between these red lights was a, a glowing white light. So I know it sounds stupid. I just focused on this vibrating thing in my head and said, come on then, come on. And this bright white light broke off and it started coming. It's a triangle. It's almost like they were sentry craft red dots. Okay. And this triangle broke off. And like a coward, again, I run back into the bedroom. I must have done that about three times. And then I just thought, I can't do this no more. It's getting daylight and like they disappeared. So I went to bed. And um, I woke up, when I did wake up, hell on earth, mate. My head was like vibrating. Everything was extra loud. I think like if you hear people say they've got symptoms of like autism, is it or something? Everything was really loud, echoing and scratching through my head. It was terrible. And I I sat on my bed and I lift, stood up. And I, went, I went like this. I went, went to go like this. Oh, what is going on? And as I lifted both my hands up to my face, like hold my face, I said like, what's going on? My right hand touched my face. And a few seconds later, my left hand touched my face. 
And cutting a long story short, my whole left side of my body was completely out of sync from my right. So from being a fitness freak and running and weight training, I couldn't even walk properly. Okay. And another thing which I have to explain is it felt like my entire insides had been taken out, rolled in dirt and scooped back in. I felt vile. felt absolutely vile. So that was that. And then I went out a few times that week. I stayed reclusive for a while, but I went out a few times that week. But I broke into a trance around some of my friends. And um, I can't really remember what happened, but it was really disorientating. So I rushed home. And as I rushed home, yet again, there was a triangle above the house. So I just rushed straight into the house. I didn't say anything to anyone because I, I really thought I was losing my mind. You know, I thought, I, what, what is going on? What is going on? But I had a friend I used to do weight training with. He was a bit younger than me. Um, we were good friends back then. And unfortunately, we're not anymore. But um, I got him to come around and watch a film called Babe about a little pig because I couldn't watch nothing. Everything was triggering me. Every single thing, whether it be sci-fi, religious, everything was triggering me. So Babe, little innocent film, you watch Babe, right? And um, we were in my bedroom and he knew something was wrong because of the way I was, you know? And the, the vibration started again, yeah? In my head. So he got out onto the flat roof. So come out here with me. He's like, what are you doing? So come out here with me. I said, just, just sit. He, sat, he lit, lit a cigarette. I said, let's have one of those. And he goes, you don't smoke. I said, I do. Just let me have one of those, please. And he gave me one. I said, look over there. And this point of light appeared. And I, I started shaking and almost crying. And he goes, it's a plane. I go, it's not, it's not a plane. It's not a plane. And um, I looked. I was looking at him and his feet. I was looking up. And um, he said, I just said to him, keep watching, keep watching. And I looked up. I had the courage to look up when he was looking up. And it was the triangle, right? This time, the lights on the corners are white. And it was like it was made of glass. You could see through it. And he, he just dropped his cigarette. And his mouth went like that. And he was like, what the fuck is that? And I just broke down in tears. And I don't know, man, but it keeps going back to me. And I absolutely got Matt's respect. Remember, they were not friends anymore. Because he stood by my side. And my sister did. And just, just to quickly move on to another experience. A couple of years later when I was getting a bit better, living in this new paradigm, you know what I mean, of being absolutely crazy and trying to, I was going to go back to college and um, we used to go UFO spotting me and him to try and see it again, you know, all kitted up this time like you guys are, you know, and um, we never saw anything and um, he goes, no, we haven't seen anything in years and I said, I don't want to see anything. I said, I'm getting on with my life, you know, I've got to sort my life out, I can't keep doing this and I got home I was now actually in the extension, which I had gotten before in this house. You, you understand what I'm saying? I was, I was actually renting the extension this time, not the room upstairs. I put some music on, some music I loved. Um, got a book on Martin Luther King out. Thought there's an inspiration for me. Read that and get inspired. You know what I mean? This is my life. I'll get control of my life. Music's playing. Bassline. Track stops. Bassline's carrying on. New track starts. That's not a baseline. That's not a baseline. So I open the patio doors and there's a white silver orb, two white silver orbs hovering above the back garden. Going, mm, 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 mm. Were they pulsating with that, that rhythm? Slightly. Okay. Ever so slightly. Ever so slightly. But they were definitely making that noise. And um, one of them moved over the houses and went down into the park where that triangle wanted me to go. And the other one just stayed there above the house. So I was half-dressed, run to my mate's house, Throw a stone at his window. He said he knew instantly. He was like straight down them stairs. Run to my house. They weren't there, right? 
And I said they went to the park. So we went to the park together, no sign of them. So we stood there in the park and um, they, were build, they were building houses at the back at the time, yeah, at the park. Big construction going on, like ditches and trenches, all sorts. And um, I thought, I'm not going out there. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying. I'm, I'm going to go home, you know. And we started going home. We started walking away. And we both turned around at the same time. And out in the monks of trenches, this white light popped up out of the ground. And I said to him, I said, clear your mind. So clear your mind and run as soon as you can. So he's both run to the fence, turn itself off. So I literally gave him the finger. I literally gave him the finger. And I thought, whatever you are, wherever you come from, you've come all this way to do this. I don't want nothing more to do with you. Be done. And that's when things started getting really crazy. It's almost like, well, if you, we're not done with you sort of thing. And that's basically, that's the actual UFO experiences, but then it carries on supernatural stuff after that. Okay, that's that's amazing. That I've never heard any kind of an account like that before, ever. Guy, what do uh, you got any questions or anything you want to throw? My my mind's kind of wrapping around. Yeah, it's funny because I'm kind of stunned in the stony silence, which for me is unusual. Although you know, I, I, I mentioned that I was tired tonight, but who's the gentleman that lives like in South or North Carolina that's seen all the orbs and uh, Bledsoe? Oh, yeah, Bledsoe. Bledsoe, yeah. I mean, it's got those kind of odd features uh, that, you know, because of where I've been and the people with whom I associate largely now, I completely believe them. Needless to say, I mean, uh, that's a, it's a, you know, it's a wild narrative to such an extent that nobody's going to invent this. I mean, and I've talked to Mr. X at length. Uh, I'm not patronizing him. Very bright guy. Uh, you heard him say, you know, he was into physical fitness. He worked out. It's not, for lack of a better word, in plain language, he's not a flake. I mean, I believe that he's had an encounter with uh, this other thing. And this was this was in 1997. 1997. And I'd like to add as well yep. is that um, other people saw it around the town. They were on acid. That's why they didn't report it, because they thought it was an acid trip. However, yeah. however, a group of guys in a car saw it, and it chased the car and hovered above the car. Two of them won't talk about it to this day. One of them is really traumatized, okay? And the thing is, as well, his daughter is an experiencer now. And I've got a video of an orb visiting them. So it's multi-generational. What I've done, I was working, I I shortly after got some work, um, as I was trying to hold it together, just doing like a sort of like working on the door of a pub sort of thing, sort of like sign people in and sign people out. And I was reading, back then, I'm trying to find out what happened to you. So I bought every UFO magazine or book I could have. I'm reading this magazine book because I'm sat down at the door. And this young lad comes up to me and goes, I've seen a UFO instantly because of what I read in one of these magazines to do. I got a piece of paper. I must have drew about 15 different types of craft, about four different types of triangles, hexagonal ones, circular ones, saucer ones with different light configurations. And I drew a triangle with like triangles on each corner, a triangle with circles in each corner, triangle with the boomerangs on what I saw, do you know what I mean? A triangle with like a crucifix in it, you know? All these different objects. They have 15 to choose from. And I said to him, which one did you see? And he went, sure as day, one with the boomerangs on it. Which is the one that you saw, right? The one I saw. Yeah. 
your friend, right? The her his daughter. Yeah, silver orb. A silver orb. Okay. I think they're the scout brat. I think they're like the scouts. I know it sounds a really ridiculous thing to say, but they're like they're. I mean, it's only my speculation, but the reason I say that is because the way they were strategically placed between this triangle's flight path. You know, these there. I could see three red orbs, lights, and this thing was going between them all. And I was losing sight of it when it was going around the back of the house. But then I could see it come back again. Okay. Yeah. 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 That was my that was my rationale at the time. So let me let me ask you this: After you had this happen to you at the age of seventeen, just turns eighteen. Just just, just turned about. eighteen. My okay. birthday's in March. In- <laughs> 19th March 19th of March March 19th is your birthday there you go there's there's a March connection (laughs) and my sighting was March 18th right and ours was March 9th and and Alex had his on March 23rd I don't know it's just somehow these things seem to now that wasn't his sighting it's sorry what what were you gonna I was gonna ask what happened afterwards like did you try to talk to people well here i'll thank thank you for reminding me i tried to tell one of my best friends the next day like actually before i got to i saw it come back and we were sat down on the bench and he knew something was wrong and it was like couldn't get out you know you got to keep in mind i'm in a terrible state and i just wanted to break down and cry and tell him what i saw it's like emotional block absolute emotional block could not even get any words out so i just started crying and pretended it's about something else I couldn't get the words out. It's almost like I was forbidden to speak about it. That is bizarre. I did go to the doctors because I wanted it all to stop. So I was hearing things. I was seeing things. I was feeling things around me. Now, I'm, I've read so many books. I've been to see psychics and tarot and all this stuff. And they say you'll chlor it, chlor the essence, you'll chlor this and you'll chlor that, and blah, 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 blah. We can talk about that later on. But when you're an 18-year-old boy... And you're getting all this stuff, which they're saying spiritual phenomena. They, no one told me it's spiritual phenomena all the time, but I was hearing things. I was feeling things touching me. You know, I was losing contact with the right, left side of my body sometimes. I went to the doctors. What else are you going to do? You know? And I told him what happened. He was like, oh, these things don't exist. Um, don't worry about it. We'll get you right. And all that. He gave me some sort of like tablets to put under my tongue to melt to relax me because of my anxiety. And I told him. My mate saw it. Oh, no. Because you, you want to see it so much, you hypnotize them sort of into seeing it. And um, of course, the tablets weren't working. Um, and so they sent me to see a psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever. I almost broke his chair. So I'm sat in this chair and I'm, you know, I'm, it, I'm, I'm gone with the fairies. And he starts talking this really hypnotic voice. And I started feeling I was being hypnotized. Of course, I have a flashback being below this triangle when I thought I was melting. And it's a wooden chair. I tense so much, I almost broke the arms off. But anyway, so yeah, I got given a diagnosis of schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia. And I will say now, though, that through my studies and experiences, I'll say this, is that schizophrenia is misunderstood. What's a schizophrenia to somebody in the Western society is a shaman in the, in the other societies. If you had somebody in, say, parts of Africa or somebody in the jungles of Peru or wherever, and they start to exhibit symptoms of what I've had. They get taken away by a holy man or a shaman and get trained up. Because we live in a 
Western model where it's all mechanical nuts and bolts and chemicals and these things don't exist, you're a paranoid schizophrenic. So I think there's a very, very powerful correlation between people who've got schizophrenia and higher awareness and higher sensory perceptions and stuff like that and different perceptions. But um, I will accept and say I have schizophrenia because to me, it's just misunderstood. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm going to go and do a degree in psychology. I'm already doing a paper. I'm doing a certificate in mental health problems. I'm going to get educated so I can basically say my piece and have qualifications behind me. I want to help people who've been through this. I want to help people who've got psychosis. I think psychosis is really misunderstood. Okay. I think there's an energy dynamic to it. I think there's a whole energy dynamic to it. And the gentleman you were speaking to, the Dr. Greg Little, I think is so close to a lot of what's going on. It's remarkable. But I want to I'm, 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 I help people in the future who've gone through either contact experiences or haven't necessarily had the contact where exhibiting the symptoms of they have. And I want to try and help them ground themselves because it boils down to this. Whatever is going on, in my opinion, the only thing you can do is ground yourself. And that's through, for me, because it was so severe, is medication, unfortunately, but also meditation, things like qigong and mindfulness. Now, a quick question for you. When you first were talking about walking and you were listening to music before any of this started to happen, you mentioned something about seeing, like you listen to music and you were seeing shapes. Is yeah, that something, to... is that something, I, I believe that's called synesthesia, no where idea. people can hear things or taste shapes or. Ah, no, 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 that's a misunderstanding. Okay. I used to, well, yeah, I suppose I had synesthesia after the experience. Okay. So, okay. But, but, but before it, when I used to listen to music, no, I could, I basically would put my headphones on and everything would be black, there'd be a black void. And, and there'd be a black void and I could listen to the music, take a point of light at the black void and I could move the point of light through the black void to the music. I could take control of it and I could literally start morphing it and changing it and growing it and turning it into objects. And I'd try and draw what I created basically. Or if I'd done a drawing, I could then take the drawing into my mind and make it in 3D and actually look at it from different angles. So I was devastated because I went from having that ability of concentration through being an artist, yeah, to being too scared to keep my eyes open, too scared to keep my eyes closed because of what I would see. I want to just throw this in. I'm, uh, to make clear, I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I have a four-year four year degree in psychology. I did a couple of internships in mental health facilities. I've got a family member who's severely schizophrenic and in a, you know, extended care facility for life. And, you know, when Mr. X talks about this, to use John Mack's uh, terminology, he's appropriately self-critical. He says repeatedly, I know this sounds crazy. Uh, this is something people who have classical schizophrenia do not exhibit. This is not something they say. They don't go, hey, this is odd. Hey, this isn't right. Hey, normal people don't see this. What's going on? Um, mm. This family member that I've got will tell you that uh, the Queen of England, who just passed away, is her mother, and she believes it fervently and without, you know, unreservedly and without question, and would never say, "Gee, I know this sounds odd." That's, I mean, I've I've been up close and personal with uh, that spectrum and. <laughs> 
Okay. Oh, I'm, I you know, I, I'm not a diagnostician. I'm not a psychologist. You don't strike me as uh, schizophrenic whatsoever. So. Okay. Thank you. Well, you don't have to think. Well, I mean, maybe we could move on to some of my other experiences where it's exhibited what seems the doctors call it psychosis and rampant imagination. Because I do, for like we told, I, I said about the thing going into my eye. I thought that was an, it's like an energetic implant, you know. I fought for a long time. I, I still haven't I shook that shadow. There's times where I feel it still to this day, and I'm like, oh, Christ, what is this? Do you know what I mean? And I try and tell myself it's just acute pain and me being delusional. But um, I've had an MRI scan. But they, I, they didn't see anything in me, so there's no microchip or anything in me. Um, but I didn't think they'd see it anyway, because I think it's an energetic dynamic, which you'll get to later, and that's something we, which Mr. Greg Little was talking about, Dr. Greg Little was talking about to a degree, how it's energy. But um, I shortly after the experience, I got, I, well, I got an ad, I was an atheist, hardcore atheist. I didn't believe in the possibility of extraterrestrials. I didn't believe that maybe one day we we're going to see them as a species, but I was an atheist. I was a firm believer in biological nuts and bolts, you know. But I was in my bedroom, and the only way to describe it is like being in, like, again, it's like being in a hologram. You don't know what's real and what's not real. Things are moving around you. Things coming towards you and talking to you, moving away. Images are coming along, going into your mind and then spinning around your mind and zooming out. And it basically was going on about, um, I wrote about it, I'll try and quickly cover it. So I just want to cover it so we can speak about speculatively about what Dr. Greg Little was talking about. But um, And you guys may be able to correct me here because I was an 18-year-old kid, not a teacher or anything. And so if you've got history and mythology and stuff like that, you can put this to bed. But um, basically, um, I'll quickly read this out. I was a hardcore atheist before my UFO experience and didn't believe in gods, spirits, and angels. I believed in science, that the science will have the answers to most questions one day. I believed that religion was for emotionally weak and mentally weak people. But after my experience, however, while well, I, was, I was now hearing and seeing things, and here is one of the first things I heard which made any coherent sense. So we got this perception <clears throat> in many people's minds that God is not real, including mine at the time. We've got this perception in many people's minds that science will answer all questions. And we've got this perception in my mind that maths is extremely hard because I'm useless at maths. Um, in many people's minds, the faith in God and the faith in science are at loggerheads with one another. They are diametrically opposed and they cannot coexist. As various faiths can't coexist as well. But I'm 18 when I wrote this, you know. God is a word. and God has many, many forms and many, many names throughout history. But God as a word, as we understand it, is an English word. Okay. But from my understanding then as an 18-year-old kid, and still to this day, is that religion, science, and maths, and English language evolved throughout our history at different points. Would you agree with that? Yeah, sounds about right. Back in prehistoric days, gods were speculated to be depicted as a power behind thunder. And for, for up to 2,000 years ago, in the Middle Eastern tribesmen thought he was the father of creation and made the world in seven days and set a bunch of rules for us to follow. The belief of God as a varied and faceted history throughout the history of man has been a driving force behind much persecution, hatred and war, as well as solace and comfort. But it's fair and logical to say that religion, maths and science and English, yet again, all evolved at very different points in our history. OK, but here we go. You take an early symbol of God. OK, and it's a circle. It's seen within the yin yang. It's seen within Ra and the sun worship. So it's also known for having no beginning, no end. So the circle. OK, now God is supposed to be a good thing. OK. Now, a good thing in science is a good good thing is a positive. To be good is a positive thing, isn't it? But a positive term in science is a plus symbol, okay? Now, the plus symbol is also used in mathematics 
the plus symbol indicates addition, okay? Now, if you take a circle and a plus symbol, and you add the circle to the word God, you get the word good. It's a never-ending circle. You understand where I'm going with that? Okay, so basically, you need the symbols of God, the symbols of science, the symbols of maths, and the symbols of English, letter words, in order to get the meaning of God, okay? And that's cyclical. That's the important point, that it's cyclical, okay? Now, it doesn't end there. Devil is an English word, but before words, before word symbols were used to convey things, a depiction as God as a symbol can be the circle, as we just discussed, okay? But it has no beginning, it has no end, it's infinite. The light, the sun, but half the force countering God is meant to be the darkness, apparently, in, in religion, the dark side. So if you take a circle and you split it in two, like, a bit like the yin-yang, one side dark, one side light, split it in two, you've got a dark sector and a light sector, you got me? Okay, right? Now, a devil is supposed to be a bad thing. The bad thing is a negative thing. The negative symbol in science is a symbol minus. The symbol minus is also used in mathematics. To, sorry, the negative symbol is also used in mathematics to in, indicate the word minus, the symbol minus. Now, if you take half of that circle, you've got the letter D. Okay? You take away D from devil and you're left with evil. There is, it's, it's, it's cyclical. It's, what I got from that, I'll carry on. You need the symbols of God, the symbols of science, the symbols of maths, and the single symbols of English and letter words in order to get the meaning of the word devil. So we've got this situation where we've got two objects, the symbols of the circle and the half circle, or the letters O and D. Now, OD in a dictionary means overdose, okay? But OD is a historical hypothetical power once thought to pervade nature and account for various phenomena such as magnetism. Where did that come from? I think this goes, but I think this goes way back. And what you're describing sounds like what Dr. Little was talking about with the Native American mythology and how they believe in a singularity that you just said something singularity. Can I continue? Yeah, you just go said for singularity. Yeah, go so for thank it. you. Thank you. So the point I want to get to now. So basically, the point I got from that is that mass science, religion, and energy are all one. Can't have one without the other. It's all and everything's cyclical. That's what I got from that. But anyway, I'll move back on to another thing. Now that was um probably straight after the UFO experience by a couple of weeks. But um this was this was this one I'm gonna actually speak about now was was amazing. It was although I went to a trance and probably could have drowned in the bath, it was actually an amazing experience. But it very this is why Dr. Greg Little stuff to me was like, oh my days. So um, one day, many years ago, I was having a bath in the bathroom and I started to spin out and I got dizzy. The room went black and I felt like I was in a dark void and I could see a single point of light amongst this dark void. I could feel this light vibrating and pulsing with energy. I felt like this light was moving in the darkness, but as it was pure black void, I could not tell it was moving. There's a pure blackness, you know, because of a pure void. You couldn't tell this object was moving and you could sense it was. Then the light split into two points of light and started dancing around each other like butterflies, but doing sharp right angles and various different patterns around each other. It's like they're testing each other's capabilities and awareness in this black void. The lights rejoined together into a single point of light and vibration and energy felt stronger and brighter than what it was before. The ball of light then split in three points of light and continued to dance around in this void, moving around each other in various ways. Again, I had an overwhelming feeling they were testing their surroundings, testing themselves, and then they rejoined into one point of light again. The vibration yet again felt stronger. They then split into four points of light again and began to move around each other as before, but with more complexity in their movements and spreading further distances. 
as they spaced themselves apart, so making a shape that has a four-sided triangle, it rotated and span into different directions. So basically, what happened was is that they created like a triangle, you know, three points at the bottom and one at the top. And then another one came, went below it. Cut long story short, it made a diamond. These points of light made a diamond. They would separate, get closer, separate, and get closer. And when they would separate, it's like they would get lonely, miss each other. Does that make any sense? Mm. And when they got closer, it's like they recognized each other again and felt union. But anyway, then one point of light appeared amongst this, di this diamond, and it would fly around amongst inside the periphery, inside the geometric shape that these things are making. And every time it got nearer to another orb, there was almost like a rejoicing moment. Okay. Then they joined into one single orb of light again, then bang, all these points of light just blew up into points of light going off in every conceivable direction. And then those points of light blew up into points of light going off at all. It's like just fireworks going on and on and on to the degree. I'm, I'm literally shaking in my bathroom, seeing all this going on, but feeling it at the same time. And cutting a long story short, you're seeing, I literally saw like atoms forming, molecules forming, and gaseous clouds forming, and stars forming. I could feel every different density had a different vibration to it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And then I'm, I'm witnessing all this, and I saw a comet going through this space, but I could feel it, and it had its own vibe to it. It had its own consciousness to it. Okay, and then this plant, this comet was going towards avoiding space, and it crashed into a rocky planet. And the impact that the comet hit in the Earth was like two different beings, not fighting each other, but experiencing each other. If that makes any sense. And then when water started falling on the surface, the surface of water against the surface of rock, it was like a new experience of both things. And then I started seeing things moving and evolving in this water, like little creatures. And these little creatures had a tiny little glowing spark in them. And then I was seeing schools of fish swimming around together with sparks in them. And it was flickering through all these different forms of life. And I was seeing the forms of life on Earth. And different forms of life had different levels of this light inside them. Until all the degree went for a wolf, it went for an eagle, showing the light in them, dolphins and all sorts, till it showed a human being. And the light inside the human being was unbelievable. And I had that vision when I was oh, 16 years ago. It, and it's, it's not. It sounds like the the creation how the the native americans pictured the real not what they taught to the kids and not what they taught to to white people that were coming to the the native american tribal you know lands and things like that it sounds like their actual real mythology of creation of a singularity that split into two and you had the kind of like the polar opposites that started to play and you had the creation side of it and the entropy or the destruction side of things. And those two things playing together is what created everything. That sounds like that. So you could understand why I was excited last night. When I listened Absolutely. To that video. Yeah. So here's the last thing. Here, now here's the last thing I'm going to talk about. And then obviously we could just, if we've got time, we can talk about, I have questions that. But this is really significant, I think. Okay. Um, and it's only my perceptions. It's my perceptions of, of being ill, as the doctors would call it, okay? Uh, oh, of course. Now, this was really bad for me and really powerful for me. I, I call it 2012, a glitch and glimpse into the matrix. It's all a pyramid scheme. Now, in 2012, I was getting synchronicities and deja vu every few minutes. I was in a real bad place. I didn't know what was real. I didn't know what was going on. 
Uh, the year 2012, late summertime, I was, the doctors, I was, as the doctors call it, very unwell and delusional. And from that perspective, it was justifiable. I was hearing a lot of voices at the time slipping in and out of trances, blacking out and coming into awareness in different rooms of my apartment, sometimes in front of the computer, which had peculiar websites on it about long distance mind control. And I wasn't conscious, so I was even looking at more how I found these websites. And then I found myself in front of a piece of paper with some peculiar symbols on which I must have drawn, which I wasn't aware of. Okay, so that happened. I would try to fight the trances, and it's pretty terrifying. I would hear voices pleading for me to come back to them. My whole body would be vibrating, shaking, convulsing. I would see golden balls of light rushing towards me from every conceivable direction until I was overwhelmed with golden light and it black, then I would black out. I remember this happening in the bath once. I desperately tried to resist it in fear of drowning in the bath. And was it with the expected loss of awareness and also being naked made me feel more vulnerable or concerned for where I would end up. Fears of leaving the apartment naked whilst unconscious was a concern. Fortunately, on this occasion, I resisted the trance, was left in pain and disorientation, aware of my surroundings, but disabled from moving for some time. At this period of time, I was getting a lot, and I mean a lot of deja vu and synchronicities and visions. Voices were a constant presence, along with visions of seeing colours, fractal patterns, orbs of light around my apartment, and also around others outside. Sometimes this is beautiful, but sometimes this is overwhelming. I could literally feel people, and by this I mean, I knew when people walked past my apartment, I knew they were outside. When my dog, I was walking my dog in the fields, I could feel people from a couple of fields away, even though I couldn't see them, until a gap through the hedgerows and trees showed that they were there. This was difficult to cope with, especially when trying to get to sleep or generally find some peace of mind whilst at home. Feeling strange sensations when people in traffic going past the apartment. But like I said, it was also beautiful at times. I could see speckles of light in the shadows of trees, and I could also see the vibration and energy of trees, and one in particular oak tree was seeming so powerful that I had to walk over to it and place my hands on it. It was just absolutely beautiful. One morning, I woke paralysed, and there were three tall, mist-like grey humanoid entities were stood around my bed, looming over me. They looked very angry, and if they were looking for something in me, in, in me, this is the weird thing. One of them was seemingly scanning my mind. It was like being pinned down by a force whilst this mist-like grey being was going through my mind at great speed. Hundreds of images were flashing through my mind, almost like holographic filing cabinet or library was being ransacked in a desperate search for something. When these experiences would happen, I would focus on my chest normally, and imagine a white light that tried to dispel the entities. However, this time, the struggle on this occasion, they seemed to leave on their own accord, dissatisfied with whatever they found or didn't find. I note these beings had no discernible facial features, and it's like they were cloaked in grey vortex in mist or smoke. Once able to move, I led their disoriented and called out to my dog who was asleep in the living room. Almost the, almost the visions I was seeing, amongst the visions I was seeing at a period of time, this is where it gets really trippy, because I had this happen again the other day just before meeting you guys. I would... I, amongst the visions I was seeing at that period of time, I kept seeing what would be a red circle, normally paired with a blue I, letter I, or a red circle, or letter I with a crown. Okay, I was seeing a circle, a crown, and a rose. I see these symbols everywhere. My attention was being drawn to them, and I was getting auditory hallucinations or voices talking to me whilst I was the, the, speaking to these symbols, and they're telling me to observe them, okay? Now, I'm not going to go into the depths of what happened with that, but I'll tell you what I got from it it's too convoluted and it's too peculiar and I can't cope with it basically but I'll tell you what I got from it so here I go I'm going to try and write and explain what I was told by these beings and these visions because this is what I was told dude okay and this is gonna this is a, this is the meat and gravy this is what are humans we beings are human complex entities which are born of direct connection to source energy if you work if, if you will the source energy of creation is God I don't mean that in a biblical sense I mean it's just like a universal consciousness or the energy that the gentleman speak about the other day, okay, the light energy. This source energy is found in all things from rocks to stars, from dolphins to humans. 
Everything has a vibration, if you will, a form of consciousness. Humans, however, have a super powerful form of this consciousness and connection to source energy. I saw images of energy entering our bodies from the earth, from below us, from the sky, from above us, and surrounding us, and creating like a torus around us, like a big donut of energy going around us, and protecting us, okay? It's like we are basically a vessel or a pipe that the energy of the universe, God, is pouring through us and going into the earth and vice versa, okay? Our thoughts and our actions imbued with this energy then have an impact both on the energetic and material realm, okay? The best way to receive this energy is to clear our minds and be in harmony with it, guided by it. Why this is difficult, this is difficult to a multitude of reasons. Our interactions with others, our environment, our traumas, our fears. Fear can shrink our energy field and disconnect us from our source to a degree. And by a degree, I mean we still have connection to our source, pour into us, but it dissipates into the environment, or worse still, is siphoned off and absorbed by other entities. Now the matrix is. I was shown that if we give our attention to something, we are giving source energy to that thing, empowering that thing. However, it may be both in the material and energetic realm. I'll try to explain this best I can. Let's just say I have a red pyramid object, a physical red stone pyramid, and I say to myself with conviction that this red pyramid holds a great power and will protect me and grant me luck. See, I pray to it and concentrate on it and give focus my energy to it, imbuing it with the energy that is coming from source. Um, sorry, I'll put in brackets, coming from source, but I'm taking source energy and directing it towards this triangle. You've got me? You understand what I'm saying? Cool. So imagine I can get more people to do that, okay? Now, on a physical realm, it's just a red rock, it's just a red pyramid. But that, what happens is, when we start diverting our energy towards, or our focus towards these objects, our energy towards the objects, they start to manifest in a dimension separate of themselves. There are multiple matrices, multiple energetic fields surrounding humanity. So this red pyramid is now amongst them, in this matrix of energies, okay? The more people I can get to pray to this red pyramid, the more people I can get to pray and divert their soul energy towards this red pyramid, it starts to form in a matrix surrounding humanity. Okay, but because it's made of conscious energy, because it's made of universal energy, and it's going through the filters of everyone's personal karma and, be and, and perceptions and thoughts, it's actually in the spiritual realm or the dy energy dynamic realm. It's gaining a life of its own. Okay. Now, the more people who begin to focus and concentrate and think and even worship on this red pyramid, although in the physical realm it will not change appearance or size, the energetic realm will be growing more vibrant and stronger to the degree those who are tuned to it and others who may not be tuned to it and are sensitive to energies may witness it in dreams and visions, okay? Reinforcing that their perception that it's a powerful object. And whenever they see a depiction of a red pyramid or triangle in the physical realm, they will then subconsciously associate it with the red pyramid they worship. Sorry if this is rambling on a bit. The intention and energy each person imbues in the red pyramid will have an effect of how it manifests its energy in the energetic realm. In short, everything is consciousness. The source energy, pure energy is consciousness. And how we focus and direct our energy towards the red triangle on the energetic realm it is very much a live entity now, dimension and frequency, and thus can be trapped and tapped into the minds, of, can be tapped into and tap into the minds of conscious energy fields of the people who tune to it. Does that make sense? Okay. So I, I, I will end with this very soon. I just really want to get this point out because it's, it, it, it means <laughs> so much. This is a lot to absorb. I mean, you yeah, know. absolutely. This okay. is this is how many years in the making. This was just a vision, dude. This is a vision I had in 2012. I was told okay. all this. I, this wasn't me. This I was told this by my illness. Right. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily refer to, to it as an illness. I mean, that's highly speculative. And I, you know, I think you know. Listen, what is my opinion worth? Uh, 
just... We're all humans and we're all on this journey together, so everyone's opinions got some weight to it, mate. I mean, and we're all experiencing something peculiar. Your experience is, my sense of it is, for lack of a better word, we're real. I mean, that's a funny word, too. Uh, could mean a lot of things, you know. But, but uh, so you've, I think you've had your consciousness uh, tweaked and opened and... Uh, You've, I think you've probably received downloads. Or that's a common, kind of a to, common terminology. You said things were given to you. And I suspect they were because I know a lot of people who have had those. But you've got well, this a lot is, of information. So. Let, let me just wrap it up then and then we can have the, the discussion if that's okay with you guys. And thank you for your patience. I really do appreciate it. This is important to me. But the whole emphasis for that, it was showing that basically if we give our um, energy to Michael Jordan, there is a Michael Jordan dimension. If we give our energy to Nike Productions, there's a Nike dimension. If we give our, do- our energy to Scientology, there's a Scientology dimension. There's all these different energy fields surrounding humanity. But the point of them showing me this was this, right? Apparently, there's a series of entities who refuse to move on to the light, and they are living amongst this matrix, and they are living amongst this energy field. And they are actually manipulating people on this planet to try and manipulate humanity to be a constant energetic food source to keep them alive in their dimension. That's what they showed me. Now, I brushed that off only the other week. I, I've been reading about the brain. We been reading about psychology. We been reading about the reticular analytical system in the brain and how it makes us see things that we more commonly than we normally would. So I said to myself, it was delusion. I'm on the right path now. I'm going to go and do my psychology degree. and I'm going to help people who've been through what I've been through. And I was crossing the road. And there goes a van past me with the words innovate with a blue eye with a red dot on it. And I laughed. I did laugh. I, did, I just laughed it off. Not, not like, ha, 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 man, like, my night be laughing. But, oh, what a funny coincidence. And I get home and I pick up my phone and I go onto Facebook and there's a beautiful video of a woman walking on a beach. And I click on it and it's got a beautiful haunting song that hit me straight away. The song hit me, yeah? And she's walking on this beach and she bends down. And guess what she picks up, Wayne? A red marble. Ah, uh, I was going to say, is it another blue eye? <laughs> no, it's a red marble on the beach. And I thought, what is this song? So I went and kept, got the song, and we can get the artwork and put it on your website later, but the, the album has got flowers and butterflies, and that's very significant to me, and I could go into that another time, but not now, okay? But morphing out of the flowers and butterflies are two security cameras with red lenses on them, okay? With the red circles and the security cameras, okay? Paranoia projection being spied on being monitored okay right but anyway right in the middle of the image is a black energetic alien with its black energy fingers seeping into the flowers and the album is called letters from the universe that's crazy and that's what basically gave me the courage to think i gotta start sharing my story the mathematical variables for that to have happened that man had to drive that van at that point in time i had to get home in that right. amount of time that video to be there in that amount of time and then the variables are too big. And there's a great post I put up earlier, which I'd like to try and read before we close the show. I, can't, I think it's called a disaradia or something. I can't, remember, can't pronounce it properly, but it's perfect. And before we close the show, I'd like to read it if I've got permission. But I've, I've said my piece now. And I really, really, if, you, if, if people are still listening, I really do appreciate it. And thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, for sure, man. There, there's, like Guy said, there's a lot there to digest. It sounds like your experience being traumatic as it was and you, you know, not necessarily going with them, but you still were imparted 
they changed you in some way. Now, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, right? Now, I'll get it up. I always was battling was the ball of light and the triangle the same thing. I was always battling with that. Or was the ball of light something separate? Because after the ball of light, I felt amazing. I couldn't make any rational sense of it. But I did have a wave of... um. Psych- I did have an experience. I'm, not, I'm going to stop saying wave of psychosis. An experience where I was speaking to something in my bedroom about it. And um, basically, it told me that the ball and the UFO was something different. And that the, the ball was to basically say, oh, you got to dig deep, mate. You're going to get some bad shit soon, sort of thing. And um, they basically told me that the triangle occupants were scared of me. I know this sounds, this sounds super egotistical, right? But the, they said that the triangular occupants were scared of me. And I'm like, delirious wreck in my bedroom why are they scared of me i can't even look after myself you know what i mean and they basically showed me this and they showed that if the triangle done something to me and i died yeah like showing a beam come down killing me and this huge butterfly come out glowing butterfly come out of my body and spread its wings and flew off okay and they said they're scared of that they said they are scared of that okay and it gave me the impression that if they killed me that energy would go and reincarnate and go somewhere else but then it showed me something else. It showed them doing something to me, and it showed me very disorientated and in pain. My toral field was shrinking, and they said they've essentially handicapped me. They, didn't, they said they clipped me. They've clipped me. It's better to keep me alive and damaged than dead and free. That's what I was told, dude. Yeah. Whether it's just psychosis or delusion or my mind going over time, make of it what you will. Well, some of that, could, I mean, they could be metaphorical. I mean, there's a lot of ways... To- to interpret that, I mean, uh, there's loads of ways to interpret it. I can only tell you what I've experienced, and it's up to people to make their own minds up. But it's it's not so much about understanding my experience, where I'm telling the truth or not. What I really want to share this for is because if people have had a similar experience, are having a similar experience, whether they've been told they're schizophrenic or they've been told they're having psychosis, but they get an extra sensory things happen to them, whether it be directly as a result of a UFO or not, I want them to know that they're not alone. You know. And I want them to know that although life is going to be very difficult for you, probably for the rest of your life, there is a way through it. And unfortunately, sometimes that does mean finding the right medication for you. But you've got to take responsibility into your own hands. You can't expect to take a tablet and feel better and carry on smoking and doing drugs and drinking and having a bad lifestyle. You've got to focus on things which boost your energy up. And what your energy, I mean, like the, every ancient culture, every ancient culture, the, the Wiccans call it manna, I believe. The Hindus call it prana. The Egyptians call it ki. The Chinese, no, the Egyptians called it Ra, I think it was, or something. I'm not sure. But anyway, the Chinese call it Qi, Japanese call it Qi. This universal energy is being perceived throughout all people and all cultures of all time. And there are lots of disciplines like Tai Chi, yoga, meditation, get you back into boosting your own energy levels up whilst taking meditation, whilst taking medication, eating right, and cleaning your mind. What I mean by cleaning your mind is reading literature, what teaches you how to find a balance in yourself, whether it be psychology. But I would say Dzogchen Buddhism, especially a guy called Anton Thubutin. He wrote a book called Citadel of Awareness. Beautiful book. Amazing book. It might not work for everyone, but I've read everything from bits of Gnostic Christianity. I've read bits from every sort of faith you can think of. And I take what I need for them to guide myself, to keep myself afloat. I, each faith is a flower in the garden. Each faith and each subject is a flower in the garden, rooted in the earth, rooted in the same truth, facing the same sun. And I'm just like a butterfly going from flower to flower, taking what I need. Okay. Now, another thing as well I want to finish on is there's a gentleman on YouTube 
I come across about a month ago, six weeks ago, and he's a Christian gentleman, okay? And I'm, I'm not really into following any religion, really, but he is a beautiful, amazing human being. And I'm not saying that Christianity is the way forward. I think Christian, Christ, like Buddha, and like many other Buddhas and Christ sort of been before, was just a supercharged conscious being, okay? Who helped people see the way in their current epoch of time. And I think there are loads of Buddhas and loads of Christs walking right now on this earth in the form of musicians, in the form of artists, in the form of filmmakers, in the form of great mothers who know how to cook and look after their children. Do you know what I mean? There's loads of them. Now, the point I want to make though, this gentleman, when I looked at his video, he was speaking about he had an experience with one blue entities what healed him. So I thought that was for you, wet uh, guy. And also, he had a communication with entities who are stealing our energy off of us. Exactly what I just told you from my experience. So I tried contacting him. He didn't get hold of me. But guess what? Two weeks later, guess what flew over his head? Triangle. Yes, sir. Wow, that's interesting. I'll that's give you his name. His name's Julian Saint John Saint Julian. He's an absolutely amazing human being. You know, if there was a Jesus, he's one of them. He's a beautiful, amazing, powerful human being. He runs a children's sort of like a medical facility in Africa. You know, he's really tuned into Gnostic wisdom. Very interesting fellow. But I could not not mention that when it's all tied into these synchronicities. Mm, yeah, man. Yeah, I think um, that Dr. Greg Little is very much on the money. I'm highly looking forward to reading this book. Everyone's got a piece of the puzzle. Everyone's got a piece of the puzzle. Everyone has a piece of the puzzle. There's no one person who's got all the answers. Everyone's got a piece of the puzzle. And another thing I want to say as well is that I believe we're consciously evolving. The whole species, the whole planet, life itself is evolving. So, for example, where you've got children dying of starvation in Africa and you've got people with Jeff Bezos with billions of pounds, we've got to evolve. We're all the same. We all bleed the same. We've all got the same hearts. We've all got the same blood in our veins. Do you know what I mean? And we've got to consciously evolve as species. We're not going to get off this rock. We're not, we're not going to get off this rock like people plan or think we're going to. We need to accept. The only thing we need to accept is that to be in the moment, to breathe, to be in your heart, to be in stillness, and not so much follow the signs, but see where it guides you. Be true. Be a compassionate, loving being as much as possible. And that's all you need to do because the universe is looking after itself. Sorry, I've had my spiel. <laughs> well, no, once you get on a roll with some of this stuff, it's and when you start putting things together and how everybody has their different pieces and experiences, you know, a lot of what you were saying there made me think of like um, the power of like intention. We yep. are so powerful to think about certain things. We will manifest that stuff one way or the other. And, um, I don't know, guy, I, I see you chomping at the bit. Do you want to jump in here? Oh, no, yeah, sorry. no, I was, I didn't have much to say at all. I was going to say, uh, you know, Mr. X has had a huge consciousness shift, but these things affect consciousness and my experiences were nothing that nearly on the order of his in terms of magnitude and, you know, yeah, but I wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for you guy profundity or whatever, but. You know, on, on a previous show, I mentioned that I was at a wedding reception. I'd always kind of made fun of psychics and saw a guy across the room, jumped out of my seat, ran over to him, got nose to nose like an idiot. I'd had two glasses of wine and I don't drink, but I was having real bad anxiety. So I was a bit more relaxed than normal, but I wasn't drunk by 
any stretch. And my wife and I were deep in conversation. I saw this guy and it was like uh, an electrical shock. I ran over, got nose to nose with the guy and said, you've had a really weird close-up UFO sighting, haven't you? And he just stared into middle space and said, as a matter of fact, yes, I have. And segued into this bizarre story that was very much like mine. So there, there's these shifts in consciousness that that happen. That what is it? I don't know. I mean, Mister X has got a lot of theories about it. I'm 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 much more at a loss. I couldn't give you the sort of concrete. He's it's got. He's like diagrammed it out. I I don't know <laughs> what it is. I don't know why these things are happening, uh, but. There seems to be uh, a spiritual element to it, to me, absolutely, that you become more aware of energy, the interconnectedness of plants, animals, people, even inanimate objects. When he was talking about, you know, a rock having consciousness, that might sound absurd, but I kind of know what he's talking about. Well, we know plants have consciousness. They can turn to face the sun. They can recognize you. You know, it's crazy, but it's true. We we live in like a web of interconnected energy that includes us and the universe and, and everything, everything. The universe is one living organism. Yeah. The universe is one living organism. The trouble is people think you ask somebody, yeah, you ask somebody, where, where do you begin? You know, in my head. Yeah. In my body. Okay. So you're, you're stood up here on the ground. Yeah. So where do you begin? I begin here. Well, if the ground was there, it'd be falling through space. So you are, you're the ground as well. And if you weren't breathing in that air and oxygen created by trees, you'd be dead. So you are the trees. You are the oxygen as well. And if the atmosphere wasn't surrounding the Earth, protecting it from radiation, you'd be dead. So you're a planet. You are the planet. But then the blood in your veins is iron from the death of stars. And the very fact that it's spinning in orbit around the sun, you are the sun as well. Even if you want to get rid of the mumbo-jumbo I just spoke of, you can't deny it, even on a scientific point of view, we are the universe. We are a universe experiencing itself from the blood in our veins, in our eyes, the minerals and atoms in our bodies. We are the universe experiencing itself in conscious form. Yep. I think you are correct in that. And uh, even if uh, from a scientific standpoint, when we talk about the creation of, of the solar system, we pretty much know we were, our star is either a second generation or third generation star. There was a star where we're at right now that had exploded and that dust and everything came back together to form the planets, to form our current star. And this is all science and the evidence points to this, that, that we're made out of star material. Everything it comes from a, a star and exploding yeah. and you can extrapolate that out to the big bang and you can go all the way to the Hopi legends of a singularity and you've got the creation energies and you have the entropic energies and these interplaying and the, you know, the native Americans believed that our job here was to balance the energies. You know, we were here to to do that, to help, yeah. Achieve harmony with everything. And, and not just for us, but that was kind of like our job. That was our job yeah. to do. Custodians, we're custodians of this planet. And it's yeah. not just custodians of this planet in a physical form. It's the energetic dynamics what go with it. It's all the energies what go with it, which we don't perceive in our general perceptions. 
Yeah. All right. You know what, guys? We've been at this for two and a half hours already. Talk oh about goodness. missing time. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I just noticed it's uh, it's getting light. Yeah, yeah. So why don't we do this? Why don't we go ahead and close out? And Mr. X, we're going to give you the final say. And we'll we'll get all back together at some point here in the future where we can have a little roundtable discussion and where we just basically start speculating and throwing things out there and uh, seeing what kind of ideas we can come up with. But Guy, is there uh, any last words you want to talk about before we close out? Well, he's uh, Mr. X has had some wild experiences, which I believe, I guess you can crucify me. I think he's certainly had some amazing experiences. And uh, I think, you know, I think he's had what are typically called downloads. He's been given some insights and information. And it's, uh, it's like I said, it's a lot to digest. Uh, it's, it would be probably worthy of, you could probably break some of what he said and it'd take 20 minutes and make it an entire show. I mean, there's a lot to unpack in those ideas, but I just, I just enjoy listening to another experiencer. Like I said, his experiences are a lot more complex and more profound perhaps than mine. Uh, but nonetheless, we're all looking for answers, and uh, he's offered some and submitted for your approval. Yeah, so but I, <laughs> enjoyable, and uh, that's the, I think that's all I've got here. Yeah, I I'll piggyback off of that and say I agree. I mean, you're talking a load of information coming from Mister X here with. I mean, the the amount of information and things to digest. Yeah, we could take one snippet of that and talk about it for hours. I'm sure right, there's a right. lot to unpack there, you know, um, because he's had such an experience and, you know, I'm going to tell people out there, you know, how would you handle and react, you know, physically and mentally to dealing with a situation like this and having all this information just coming to you nonstop and, you know, we do need to be careful with the, the psychosis diagnosis and the uh, schizophrenia and things like that when it comes to people. Um, I, I mean, we don't know. I mean, let's put it this way. The government has enlisted certain people out there, such as Dr. Gary Nolan, to examine the brains of pilots and experiencers that have come into close contact with these uh, craft or beans or whatever they are. And we can save mm. that for the speculation episode mm. and, and play around with that area. There's, there's something going on bottom line, but anyways, they have done certain scans of people's brains and they thought at first what they were seeing was brain damage that was being caused by whatever it was, a radiation burst, something. But as they got closer into looking at what was going on with the brain, what they discovered was that the brain was growing new bundles of nerves and synapses and, you know, the, the, a high amount of, and, and 
guy, you talked about this. I believe it's the basal ganglia yeah, part of the ganglia. brain. They said that the, was the basal ganglia was denser and larger. In yes, yeah. exactly. But denser because of more neural networks. No, they figured it out that they? there's more things like the brain has been turned on more and, and growing more. Believe um, believe and there, of course, they're still working on it. And oh, what I got to throw this in. Uh, I'm in a group yeah. with a girl named Deb White Cobble. I've mentioned her to you. And this sounds kind of crazy. All right. But she had an insane experience uh, when she was, I think, around 20. And and it was funny to hear her talk about it. She said, I know this sounds bizarre, but she said after this, I felt like I was getting smarter. And she said, I'd taken an IQ test in high school and my IQ was 117, which is not bad. She said, it's, uh, you know, above average, but not stellar. She, she said she wanted to prove she sensed that there was something different. And again, as daffy as it may sound, she felt that she was more intelligent. She took the test for Mensa, which is a, most people know what Mensa is. It's a, an, organiz, an organization of people who have uh, extremely high IQs. I think it's like 140 and above. And she passed it. I mean, she, she uh, and they estimated her IQ to be like 142 or something. I mean, something changed. You know what I'm saying? As crazy, as totally crazy as, you know, mainstream science would have you believe. I mean, she, she did something very intelligent. By, she said, I wanted some way to shut, to prove to myself that I wasn't going crazy, that I felt like I was smarter. Guess what? She, exactly. She is. Her, I, her IQ has increased. I mean, how bizarre is this? You know, right. Now, now imagine, you know, go back through mythology and things and, and think about uh, certain biblical figures coming in contact with glowing lights, coming in contact with this or that. And the next thing you know, they have a whole book or a whole new set of rules for humans to live by. And, <laughs> and, you know, let's anyways, no, it sounds again, like, you know, yeah. yeah right. Whole, so, yeah, this whole kind of, yeah, this revelatory thing. Yeah. What I will want to say is, is that if anyone's listening and they think they've had an experience or they haven't had an experience, but it's left them with a feeling of being mentally or psychotic, or it's left them with a diagnosis of being mentally or psychotic, don't don't get into the us versus them mentality if it's a system against you. You've got to understand that a lot of doctors are only trying to do their best from a limited point of view and a limited worldview. Um, try different medications to see if they help help you, and if they don't, don't take them. But the, the, the responsibility is in your hands. You need to really take this responsibility to your hands with cleaner living and diet, nutrition. And the, take, even from the, your food is not just what you eat. Your food is the information you take into your mind. Your food is the people and the energies you put yourself around. You've really got to help yourself, heal yourself, and you will find a way through this. Yep. Well said. Well said. Okay. So we'll, uh, talk to you all soon it was great having you on mr x thanks for sharing all of that with us my pleasure i think michelle's gonna i'm still trying i am kind of like guy earlier my head is still kind of wrapping around all the different yeah experiences yeah okay so, so i think you could divide that you could have you could take 
like snippets of that and do an entire show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, gentlemen, it was great for us to have you on the podcast and pleasure is all mine, man. Yeah, it it was great. So, all right. Thank Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Have a great night or day. Um, Knowing the time difference. Right. Yeah. Thanks ever so much. Goodbye. Peace. Thank you. Have a good night. think after that interview we just need to let our listeners listen pause listen again pause digest all of it okay so there's one thing i want to point out i know he said he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and things like that that uh, kind of severity of uh, a mental issue however like guy said he was very self-critical and, you know, saying that he knew that this wasn't right. Things weren't right. Um, I think that something happened with one of these craft. I really do. I think something got to him and just overloaded him with information causing these issues that he has. And, um, you know, that's an awful lot to deal with. You know, I mean, if he wasn't like this up to a certain point. And then all of these experiences started happening. I mean, how could it not psychologically affect someone? Absolutely. He did say, you know, he was very athletic. His body is his temple. You know, that's how he treated things. But, you know, he just turned 18, so he was young. But medical things could happen as well. I mean, again, nobody was there. It's his story. And the things that he's saying, you know, it sounds like he's got so much information in his head. He's trying to get everything out. And and maybe that's the problem. Like, there's so much that has been, I think Guy said, like, download it into his brain from these things. I don't know. Um, it's, it's very interesting. And God only knows what happens to people if they come in contact with whatever these things are? And it sounds like he did. Uh, that would definitely, you know, just uh, explain not only the, I, I don't want to say manic behavior, but in a sense, the way that he feels about it and the way that he comes across. Talking very, very fast. You know, it's like wanting to get all of this information out and being afraid that you're going to miss something. Right. But then also like scrambling in your brain for the right words too. Yeah. And to get all the information out. And it might be part of the, the relief, you know, to release that information and get it out there. So like he said, if you think you're going through something like this or something happened to you, get to the doctor talk to somebody uh some of the doctors around here are starting to really take into account when people say they've come in contact with some of these things um it's not a joke 
anymore. Like he, how he said he was treated. He's like, oh no, you know, the doctors are like, oh no, mate, you're, you're, you're a paranoid schizophrenic, man. There's no such things as flying saucers and stuff. Here's your pills. But he does say, you know, sometimes that medication can help level you out. And, and if it can help get with a doctor, um, and just, you know, try to get at a level where you can function and then, you know, deal with the issues of these things and whatever they are there that are doing, uh, to you. So I don't know, Michelle, it's a long night. It was a long interview. It's been a long couple of weeks. I think we should probably head on out. All right. Take care. Have a good night, everyone. All right, everybody have a good night. And remember you are the disclosure. It's not coming from anywhere else and keep your eyes to that sky. You have been listening to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. You can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi underscore ufo and join our facebook group by searching for michigan ufo sightings and paranormal encounters so until next time